0: welcome to the televerse the podcast just for tv because it's great we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see you're also like kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen comedy genre reality drama and anything that's in between welcome to the televerse Let's the show. hello and welcome to the televerse this is kate calls looking the as ever by noel kirkpatrick noel be podcasting day to you podcasting day falls on the same weekend as my birthday and the day after coffee day i feel like there's a connection between like i don't know how Two you feel of about those coffee things.
1: i hate coffee so but i
0: feel like i feel like there's a lot of podcasts that are fueled by coffee and then of no course, doubt. as a podcast i feel like but transitive property you're connected to coffee whether you want to be or not i'm
1: sorry right no i'm connected to coffee in all sorts of ways even though i don't <laughs> want to be Fair enough. Uh well are you excited for your birthday? Do you have plans? Are you gonna go be sociable? Um, I'm helping my friends move into a new house for my birthday. <laughs> you're, do- um, you're doing it wrong. Spoiler alert, but that's okay. No, no. They're um also they're taking me to the EMP Museum in Seattle, um, also this weekend. After oh. I help them clean their new house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it'll be fun though. I'm sure you guys will like Make uh, make an, a day of it an event of it. I'm, I'm, I I'm feel like there's a lot of ways to make that entertaining. It might involve booze. Uh, certainly could involve rocking some jams. I know this week a big thing for me was, I got Hamilton tickets! Very exciting. Oh, congratulations!
1: That is very Thank exciting. God.
0: Yes, my bank account is angry with me. But <laughs> I will be going next April... To see Hamilton in Chicago because that's those are the tickets that were made available was the next right. six months of it. But um yeah, I'm still pretty excited about it. So I feel like what you need to do is rock out to Hamilton or other jams of your choice, though right now I don't like my brain doesn't process other choices and jammage. Um, and and get get your drink on and have a fabulous birthday slash cleaning party.
1: Well, that'll have to all be very kid friendly since there'll be a seven-year-old involved as well.
0: Okay, most yeah. of Hamilton doesn't have
1: swearing, and just tell uh, it. This is just your grape juice. But then, then we have to skip over Democratic mother Republicans, and that, what's the
0: point? <laughs> that that is that is true. I see. I see what you're saying there. I, I can't really. Mm-hmm argue with you on that one. So yeah,
1: no. There's no point then. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Touche. Touche. Yeah. Well you'll have to report back next week on on what you uh, what workaround you came up with or what your right. other approach was. Um, this week in T V Adventure Time is ending in two years, 142 episodes, <laughs> so like we got some time to deal with it. But still,
1: how sad, yes? I'm gonna need those two years to cope with just the idea that there won't be any adventure time after twenty eighteen.
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's, no,
1: I mean, I'm glad they're telling us now as opposed to springing it on us in two years. Mm-hmm. But um, no, this has been like a really steady fixture for me since. I didn't start watching immediately. I came on in. I came on during Fin the Human, Jake the Dog premiere. That's when I started mm-hmm. watching it on a regular basis. Um, so, but I mean, that's been a while. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, so no, this is gonna. I'm very sad, but I'm also very excited to see how they wrap this up. And I'm not quite sure how I want them to wrap this up. Part of me just wants a really cool standalone episode that just just doesn't do anything and just mm-hmm. talks about them. And but then part of me also just wants. I need so many answers. <laughs> <laughs> Well once again it's that that conversation about how you watch TV
0: and how you right. how you watch each given show because I'm about to say I don't watch TV for answers but you were here when I was talking about the night of and yes. uh the night <laughs> of really didn't uh, connect to me on a character level and so that made me much more interest in interested in um the process and answers and of course that adorable cat so um, for me, with Adventure Time, I don't care about answers, even a little bit. Uh, they might be nice, okay, but I don't care about that. I care about uh, creativity and moments, and style, and mood, and life lessons, in, in ambiguous life les- lessons at that. Um, yeah, so so I I look forward to seeing what they're do- gonna do. I like that there's so much notice for us, but also for them. They're working yeah. on season eight right now. Yes, this would take us through season nine.
1: Oh, uh, I think that's correct. Yeah.
0: So that means it's not like they're not having to just finish. This isn't like a core situation where we all know they should have had another season. Um, if they should have been able to have a fully supported, I should say, final season, um, and and they'll they'll be able to really decide how they want to end it. And I think a show like like Adventure Time that really put the current brand of of Cartoon Network on the map and gave them so many viewers really did so much for them. I think that's something that they deserve. So I I like that this is, you know, I'm going to just have to really appreciate Comic-Con the next two years. And the, the, I assume there will be so much Adventure Time, um, you know, cosplay and, and panels and every and content, uh, Adventure Time content at the next couple, because there wasn't this year. So, but with, with the fact that it's ending, I think that will be a good reminder to us and to other people Who watch the show to not take it for granted Because I think we get distracted sometimes by How shiny and beautiful Steven Universe is It doesn't mean that we love Adventure Time Any less Uh, We love all of our our special TV children Equally (laughs) most of the time Sometimes not always but most of the time Um, So yeah I think you know Steven's on hiatus right now Apparently uh, for who knows how long And um, So if if Adventure Time is going to be coming back Soonish I hope do we know when it's coming back I don't think so. Oh goodness gracious! We don't even know what's coming back, but um, yeah, I. It's a it's a it's an amazing show, and so I'm glad that we have some time to adjust to saying goodbye to the different characters who we will be over the next two years. Um, uh, but we, it's not just bad news this this week in in TV world. We had some renewals and some 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 pickups for the for their entire season. So so uh, what's what were the pickups this, this week, Noel, and how are we feeling about them?
1: Right. So ABC picked up full season orders for Speechless, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. They had their second episode this week, which we're not going to talk about, but it was good. Yeah. Um, Designated Survivor had its – got a full season pickup, which wasn't a huge surprise. It did pretty well, and ABC, I think, is putting a lot on that show, which makes sense.
0: Yeah, though you know it um, was a surprise? The, the ridiculous uh, – at least from my perspective, how positive the reviews were. Ridiculously overpraised the <laughs> pilot was. Uh, but hey, people like it. It got a full season. Good for it. Hopefully it figures itself
1: out. Right. And I heard good things about the second episode, but I mm-hmm. forgot to carve out time to watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, NBC ordered a full season of This Is Us, which is great, um, as the show's really chugging along even after its second episode. Uh, it was it's very, very good so far. I'm enjoying it a lot.
0: Yeah, we're not talking about many second episodes this week. We've talked about a bunch of premieres. Um, yeah. We're going to check in with the second episode of Blackish this week. But for the most part, the second episodes that we watched, except Lethal Weapon, we're, I'm pulling for you, Lethal Weapon. Come on. <laughs> I, you can do better. Um, but the other second episodes I watched this week were pretty much all really solid, and we're they didn't give us new things to talk about. That's why we're not talking about them this week, listeners. But um yeah. But I think that is actually rather notable. Often second episodes are the worst because the first episode gets, the pilot gets way more time for them to really think about it. And then they have to just churn out a second episode, which often is required or requested to be basically a retread of the pilot, which is, of course, what happens in the Lethal Weapon second episode. Um, And so it's easy for the second episode to be actually one of the series worsts. Worst episodes. Um. And so the fact that there are so many solid second like pitch is solid. Superstore. Oh, sorry. Season two. Sorry, but pitch was solid in its second episode, and Speechless was solid, and these other shows. Um. That's that's a good sign.
1: Yeah. No, it is a very good sign. Um. Mainly, I think that the development process, even for broadcast, is like shifted quite a bit. Um. So I think that there's just been enough time, and people are thinking a lot quicker now when they're developing shows with the studios to think about that second episode very quickly. And I also think that there's less concern about having to overdo, overstating the premise in the second episode too. Even if they do it, they're finding better ways to do it.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's, yes, Like an episode like speechless does that really effectively and and, and keeps it funny enough. Um, that it, that works as well um and then the last one we'll mention up here is um obviously it's on new show but you're the worst just got the announced that it's been picked up for season four so they're in the middle of their third season um and are about halfway through it and and so glad to know to not have to do the, the dance on the bubble at the end of the season of i hope it gets more so that was that was encouraging for me to see because i i don't follow the ratings very much but i don't feel like it's gotten better ratings this year i think it just it just has good critical buzz
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's on FFX, and they can pretty much just do whatever, so long as John Landgraf likes them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Any other um, premiere or renewal or pickup or cancellation uh, thoughts? Oh,
1: right. FX did do a couple of like random cancellations. Like, The Strain's going to finish itself off after season four. Mm-hmm. And in case you didn't know, The strain, strain was airing its third season right now. No one's talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't
0: <laughs> care. So, yeah.
1: But... It's ending after season four um, Just very unceremoniously Because that never became the big hit That FX was expecting it to
0: Give David expect. Bradley better things to do everyone uh,
1: David Bradley Corey Stoll needs better things to do
0: Yes But you know I, I watched that show for most of a season Just off of David Bradley <laughs> Corey still was not doing it for me enough in that in that role. Anyways, well, he
1: had that wig too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, the wig was bad. That wig was indeed bad. Um, any well, l- listeners, if you have any other thoughts on the the premieres, the ones we've talked about, the ones you'd like us to check in on more more frequently, or if you are like hardcore for the strain or some other show that we are not talking about that you think we should be, let us know. Reach out. Uh, we will we will check out shows that you tell us that we should. And again, I'm once again going to shout out The Detectorist, even though I still haven't watched any of it. Because everything I see about it makes me convinced I'm going to love it when I do finally watch it. Um, not, I haven't yet. But I, I will, you know, so, so clearly if you tell us we should watch something, listeners, at least I will hear it. It'll stick in, in my brain. And if I haven't watched it yet, I will feel bad about not having watched it. So, you know, you can work the Catholic guilt on me really effectively. Should you choose?
1: That's fair, but let's just save it for the week after next because the CW premieres are all next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God.
0: We're going to make it through that. We're going to get through October. We're going to get through premieres, and then there'll be a a bit of a doldrums, and then we can breathe, and it'll be
1: nice. It'll be nice. nice.
0: This week in lieu of the DVD shelf, we're going to be checking in with our 2016 TV resolutions because we haven't checked in on that since, like, I think March. We we forgot to do that in April. June. April. We did it in
1: April. In yeah. April,
0: okay. Um, so so we thought it was time to check in again. And, uh, Noel, what was your
1: resolution? Uh, to watch more nonfiction programming. So I ended up watching, like, a bunch of stuff on PBS. And what was yours?
0: Mine was to make sure that I was watching underrepresented Groups rep- representation of underrepresented groups on TV. So, uh, whether that is characters of color, queer characters, or just different representations, getting away from watching so much white, straight, cis TV because I've been watching so much of it. I need to needed to prioritize. Finding space in my viewing schedule for different shows that I wasn't watching yet. So that that was my resolution. Um, we're going to check in on that at the end of the podcast. But for now, uh, we should get into our weekend in TV. So we'll take a break, listen to a little Bob's Burgers music. That's right, it's back. We're so happy, and uh, and we'll come back with our week in comedy.
1: I'm
0: That was, of course, one of the songs featured in this week's episode of Bob's Burgers, Fluey's. Um, the, they had their premiere this week, of course, uh, this, this, of season seven here. We also had the premieres of Drunk History, Great Escapes is season four for them. Younger came back for season three with A Kiss is Just a Kiss. Uh, Survivor's Remorse had its finale for season three, Father's Day. You're the Worst had a Edgar-centric episode called 22. Then um, we had Blackish God, and we're going to round things out this week by talking about The Good Place, Jason Mendoza. Uh, I just can't see that name without thinking Mendoza. I just like every time it's a, it's a, it's a shout out to um, both. I th- I feel like that that's a Simpsons thing that then got picked up over on. Hey, watch this with Paul and David, which of course both hosts of that Paul Goebel and David Bax are friends of the show that man several times. Uh, shout out to Hey, watch this and specifically to Paul Goebel who is uh, moving. And so th- we'll be leaving that podcast, I always enjoyed listening to Hey, Watch This, and I'm going to miss Paul on that show, but uh, hopefully he'll be back, and hopefully will be back on the televerse before too long as well. Um, Anyways, uh, so Jason Mendoza, that's a tangent that I went on there for a moment. Good place. That's coming at the end of the segment, but first up, Bob's Burgers came back. Uh, but for a while there, as very much a, a heathenist statement from myself, but I was getting a little tired of, of overtread of music on Bob's Burgers. They felt like it was too much of a crutch it was becoming too um, predictable that they would just insert a song it wouldn't necessarily be one that was particularly great or made sense in the setting but they would um, throw it in there just because people like the songs um, I so I appreciated when they kind of got away from that last season and then had our spectacular musical sequence with Louise and Bob uh, singing you know being stuck in the bathroom um, how did Louise uh relate to these past musical trends for you um no or was it less about the music for you than just the whole craziness of of uh of louise's fever dream
1: i've really just enjoyed the fever dream aspect of it um in part because i'm a sucker for a koopy koopy kochi koopy kochi koopy i think is correct um <laughs> Mainly because, like, one of my big things was when I first started watching the show, like, the episode that got me hooked, and it's, it's just the second episode, is uh, Crawl Space, mm-hmm. and Bob just has the nightlight in the crawl space and he's just talking to it. And then they do the shining riff with the nightlight. And it's just like, I love this weird doll. Um, so I really was glad that it came back in such a really prominent way, um, with the fever dreams. And I've always liked how protective Louise is of this figurine. And so I enjoyed the travel through with the octopus, with all the guardians and then the castle and how that fed into her, like, emotional state during the fever and everything so i really enjoyed this kind of mental look into louise and i thought that was really really good uh how did like then i'll just turn this back around on you since you were had very strong feelings about the music and its deployment how did this work for you then
0: well i I, for me i really enjoyed the episode but it had been like through the grapevine and twitter and stuff i had you heard though this is another musical episode, and it's not there's just like a song it's like mm-hmm. it's not a super musical episode um it doesn't have the structure of that that you would expect in. It doesn't have the structure and pacing of a musical like something like the first episode of the double-length pilot of The Get Down, for example. Even right. when they're not singing, it feels like a musical. This doesn't have that at all. It's just another fun episode, and I was very much keen into the fever dream aspect of it, and then there's a song at the end. Um, so this, I think because I was expecting a musical, um, I was a little concerned about, I was like, oh, already? Because then it feels like they're setting themselves up for comparisons, which doesn't seem like it's the best call um but they didn't do that instead it was very creative it was a lot of fun and um and, and I, I particularly enjoyed the the voice acting for you know inside the the dream all the different dolls yeah. I, I thought I liked how uh particularly now what is it it what's the doll again
1: uh Koopi kochi
0: Koopi kochi yeah I like bad Koopi kochi and good Koopi kochi um I liked the whole <laughs> like, just the voice the performance of that was delightful. I like that, you know, he just calls himself that. doesn't mean that's what he is, you know, which is very similar to uh, one of, one of the, my favorite lines from The Doctor's Wife episode of Doctor Who. Time Lord, that's just what they're called. It doesn't actually mean anything. Um. But, um. yeah, I, I, I thought it was really creative and fun. I liked all the stuff we got with Louise, like, talking to her. But it's my favorite. I mean, if I had a favorite, but I don't. <laughs> looking at her dolls I, I i because she can be so maniacal and so um cynical and all this different stuff i always love when they emphasize and highlight how like the more childlike elements of of louise as well so i really was enjoying that um the <laughs> when the text just like got got up and started tap dancing instead of being subtextual after a while uh that was a lot of fun for me too and even just something like like the the fact that there is now in the world of this show a toy store that you can just emergency call right
1: isn't that the best that was like that was the other big takeaway for this episode was that any whenever this show just does a little random aside like that the world just kind of explode this world just kind of explodes a little bit and mm-hmm. i love that but yeah, no, it's an emergency toy store.
0: Yeah, they've got a, they've got a toy guy now. They can call their toy guy. It's great, and the, the you know he does the the voices. You know, like I can just read. Really, you yeah. won't do the voices right. This is the frog game. So great. I, I just loved all of that. So I thought it was a really delightful. And whimsical start to the season and and certainly made me very glad to have them back for like, again, season seven. It just makes me so happy that that, you know, a show like Bob's Burgers, which never got like particularly breakthrough ratings or anything, uh, has been able to just find a nice, safe, reliable home on Sundays on Fox and and. Survive and and just thrive for so long It's really, speaking of, at some point I do need to check in on, I'm really hearing Very interesting things about this season of South Park Season 20, Um, Mm -hmm. and again It's another one of those things, like, I could see If they wanted to, if the creators wanted to Bob's Burgers going to a 20th season, I could see them South Parking This, or simpsons this (laughs) If they wanted to, and that just kind of makes Me happy, the fact that apparently South Park is Doing really interesting and new and creative Stuff in their 20th season, and Here's Bob's Burgers doing that again, doing that in its seventh season. It just shows the, you know, just the longevity of the format if you want it. So it's just very encouraging.
1: It is very encouraging. And I'd heard similar things about South Park as well, though. I've never been a regular South Park viewer. But I do agree that uh, if Bob's Burgers can just continue along this way and Fox is happy with it and everyone's happy doing it, uh, there's really no reason for it to just stop at any point it's just like no no this is a very solid performer it's a very good utility player it can be off for weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) when everything else around it is new for some reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can shuffle it around with football but it works very well so i'm i'm glad it's back as well because i was kind of missing it a little bit i was going through i was realizing i was going through withdrawals
0: yeah yeah the dynamics in that show are just so fun and very glad to have it back. I'm also very glad to have Drunk History back. This episode was all about different escapes. Um I'm looking forward to uh other th- other um storytellers and, and segments that I know are coming up this season, but I thought it was a strong strong start to the season. always enjoy when they have Tom Lennon on and Thomas Middleditch and there's they have some of their more reliable actors um pop up in in these um these stories in this first episode. So drunk history was also a lot of fun. Again, they're in season four and it hasn't gotten old yet. And that's because of the strength of the narratives that they pick for what their, what stories are going to tell, what the drunken narrators are going to like really talk about the fact that they keep finding interesting and fun stories is what keeps this, keeps the premise going. Um, because drunk people rambling would get old very quickly if Several it weren't for people that.
1: rambling gets old very quickly, but yet we still have listeners. I was going
0: to say, and <laughs> speaking of, I should move on to the next show, Younger, A Kiss is Just a Kiss. Uh, Noel, I'm so invested in the shipping on Younger. And I have been since I watched and reviewed the first season for AV Club back when it started. They sent the entire season and I sat and watched it all in like a day. Right. Um most because it was charming and Sutton Foster and you know there's pl- plenty of reasons, but a big part in the second half of that first season was shipping undertones between a couple of the characters. Those have now become overtones. We'll see how that plays out in the season, but just like it highlights for me the the chemistry with um the uh Charles character and Sutton Foster's character, Liza, on Younger, is terrific. It's so strong. And then she also, of course, Sutton Foster I think could have chemistry with a chair. But um She probably could. Yeah. Uh but but also the the, the connection that we see with uh Liza and with Josh is also it's very different, but it's just as uh just as relatable and and shippable I guess. Um it really highlights how lacking so many other shows are with that. So many shows that fuel themselves on uh, romantic hijinks. Um, And it it, it was listening to on Hey, watch this. They talked about for their last episode with Paul and David, they talked about the how I met your mother finale and some of the, the, the vitriol around that. And I think a big part of that was just that the chemistry was so amazing between uh, uh, um, the actress who they brought in to be the mother and Josh Radner. Uh, Chris, Christian, Chris, Kristen, Milioti—I want to say
1: something along those lines.
0: Yes, I could be <laughs> getting that wrong. She was fabulous on *Himym*. She was fabulous on *Fargo*. I apologize if I got your name wrong. Um, but the chemistry was so strong that when they messed with that, it got people angry. The chemistry uh, between all the characters, but specifically with the romantic pairings on *Younger*, is so terrific. You get that—that that gut. You know, like the pit of your stomach kind of thing going as you as you're watching, at least I do all the time. Um, and it just really keeps the show afloat in a way that makes me wish other shows could, I don't know, in the casting or in the writing or in the timing or in the editing, whatever magic it is they're working over there on Younger to keep that souffle of a show alive. Because Sudden Foster can do a lot on her own, but what? I don't know, I don't know that she can do three seasons on her own, you know. One person can't usually save, give you three seasons worth of story and of energy. But um, but yeah, it's just really, I think it's really terrific. So those of us who are on, on board or already on board, I don't think it's getting any new viewers in it's third season. But if you're somebody who just hasn't checked out younger yet and you are into romantic comedies and you're into uh, shipping and that kind of a thing, do give it a look. Do check it out. It is worth your time. It is delightful. And um, hopefully... Yeah, the whole, I, I I don't even say hopefully. I I'm confident that this season will be just as engaging as the previous two have been. Um, and that will take me to Survivor's Wars, which had its finale Father's Day, which again has been just as solid, if not more so, than the previous seasons. And given um the way that the last season ended, which I still won't get into specifics about, and how this season began, um, in case spoilers, because I know a lot of people have still not really checked out survivors remorse. I didn't necessarily anticipate that. This season has taken more of a turn towards the dramatic. It's really taken up issues about fatherhood and 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 motherhood, excuse me, parenthood I should say. Relationships between um children and their parents uh both present and absentee. And it's also it's looked at a lot of different issues in sort of the way that Blackish did in its first and second season and likely will Moving forward, um, or or Carmichael show, but it's not doing it in the in the Norman Lear. Let's have an episode about. It's right. more organic to these characters' lives, and it's more informed by their backgrounds, and, and it has more lingering effects as we go through the show. Um, and and so I just really appreciate that. It's it's a show that takes really serious topics and makes them funny, in a way that. Not a lot of dramedies necessarily do, and man, it manages to still take on serious topics and have me, you know, at least chuckling out loud. Um, and and that's not a that that's a really I think that's a really tricky thing to do. So, again, I'm just going to keep saying if you have not checked out Survivor's Remorse, that's another one on stars. It's another one that's absolutely worth watching. Uh, it's had a terrific three seasons, and I'm looking forward to when it comes back for season four. Um, the reason I mentioned like this combination of serious and dramatic is that You're the Worst, of course, had its episode this week, 22, that all focused in on Edgar and what he's dealing with was told from his perspective. And he's, of course, gone off his meds. Um, over the course of this season because he didn't like the side effects that he was getting. Um, I think that the tipping point for him was that he was having erectile dysfunction. And he couldn't engage sexually with his girlfriend. Um, it was becoming an issue in their relationship. And so that's what finally pushed him to make the not particularly healthy decision to go off his meds. And so we we see in this episode how he's experiencing the world. There's a couple shots um, that are, th- that are taken from previous episodes, but we're now we're seeing his perspective on it and the colors are different. And the, there's like a filter over it. Um, there's, there's a really strong sense of paranoia throughout the episode. There's a really, uh, they they do. I think, I mean, I, how, what do I know of PTSD, but it seems like they do a good job of capturing how someone dealing with PTSD, dealing with the issues that Edgar is dealing with after, you know, having served in the military and having a lot of mental health issues coming out of that experience. We don't really know what his background was that much before going into the military. So I don't know how much of that is pre-existing and how much of that is just a straight-up byproduct of his time in the military. But um, they do a really good job of capturing that. It's a very serious episode. I was seeing some places people complimenting it on being funny and also this but I don't think it's really trying to do that it it does feel a bit like the the very special episode um but I think it's a worthwhile topic to do a very special episode about and and I think that if you tried to you know like because it is so centered on one character and one experience if you tried to also make it funny that wouldn't feel right um so I don't know. I wasn't laughing very much, but I did think it was a really terrific performance. It really had me, it felt organic to where the character has been and what sort of my f- concerns for the character have been all season when he's been sort of in the background of a lot of the action. So I like that they're taking a different approach to Edgar and what he's dealing with than they did last season with Gretchen. Um and hopefully that's something that they'll continue to explore and it won't just be a one and done. I would very much like to see them continue to give the same attention to Edgar. Maybe not the way that they do in this episode, but to bring him more back. So like, it feels like a distinct choice to leave him more in the background for four episodes a season, then do an episode all about him for the fifth episode. Um, it's the idea of you haven't necessarily been thinking about him as much because they've been forefronting Jimmy and his father's death and all of that. Um, but while you weren't paying attention, here's what Edgar's been going through. Hopefully now that we've had this, he'll be back up um, to a more significant role in the balance of the time timing of the show. Um, I don't know if they will do that or not, but I continue to appreciate the show and like what it's doing and the performances and the, the writing and direction has been really very strong. This season, I would say this is the standout episode of the season so far. Um, it's easy to say that with a flashier episode like this, with a very distinct visual style and everything, and the very serious topic. But, um, but yeah, it, it was. I appreciate them doing an episode like this. Have you can you think of many episodes like this that that focus? I know you you don't watch you the worst, but that focus on like especially on a comedic show that focuses on a character's PTSD or a veteran trying to deal with the V A the V A and Um, and trying to find their own way to cope with, you know, their experiences.
1: Not offhand, no. Um, I feel like there's increasingly, like, representation of of that within lots of drama.
0: Yeah, Um, parenthood comes to mind
1: for that. Right. Um, but anything within a comedy space, I can't think of anything offhand that does that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In any way, no.
0: Yeah, well, and *You're the, the Worst* has already made a name for itself by its through its depiction of depression and what that right. c- can look and feel like, and so taking that same um, approach to to Edgar and what he's dealing with makes sense from from these writers. So we'll see what they have up their sleeves for um, the rest of the season. But I'm way more interested in this than I am in Lindsay spinning her wheels and still dealing with the same issues that started that, that dominated most of her storyline in season two hopefully there's something like they do such a great job with jimmy and gretchen and with Gretchen's zoo therapist and with edgar i would love to see that same creativity with Lindsay, but hopefully hopefully that's coming later this season but i've been talking way too long i need to drink more of my coffee so please uh, why don't you take over uh, here on blackish noel uh and the episode is god what did what did you think of this episode
1: uh, I was actually a little surprised by how a little quiet this episode was, given the topic matter. But then it made sense in the end, because I kept waiting for um, Dre to like drag um, Zoe to um, church, mm-hmm. or like there, or Ruby to drag her to church, or something along those lines, and it never materialized, and I just went. But this you guys should be doing this. Where, where are you going with this? And, but I liked the introduction of like, um, rainbow's brother showing up as a basic hedonist from Paris. Who's been, and played by David Ugh, Diggs. He's the worst. He's, he's such the worst. He's the kind of this, guy who's Barcelona. Yeah. Or, you know, croissant. Ooh. And this butter is terrible for this. And it's just like, Oh my God, no, shut up. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so, but it was, a, it was a very nice counter, cultural counterbalance to what that was. But then by the end of the episode, when they're all, uh, there for the sonogram, the, um, and the, the basic inability to find the fetus at, the, at the point, at that time and the sheer rationing up of tension, um, everyone's just like perfectly still and perfectly quiet and you've got Tracy Ellis Ross just selling the concern and the one little tear dripping down when they still can't find anything. And then the, just the sheer relief. And then Zoe saying, thank God that they're once they're able to hear it, uh, the fetus's heartbeat and everything. It's it's it basically eradicates my eradicated my concerns because it's such a great way to unify all of them without having to do anything more hijinky, basically. And I really appreciated that sheer restraint that came into that. And I really, really enjoyed that instead of doing the more hijinky stuff, they did that, but then they also like did this larger cultural point about the importance of faith within the African-American community and how important that is to their continuation of being able to get through america and that's so, so forth and so on and i liked the acknowledgement of that and that once they did that it was very much well you can't really do anything funny in church after that <laughs> um but it was a very good episode it, they used to Diggs' character just enough to provide really solid punch lines and then the episode just ends with such a good capper of We're never, ever letting Diane get close to that baby. (laughs) Oh, I I know.
0: I love Charlie's, um... (laughs) It's like, you've got my anonymous letters. Oh, no, but if Diane got them, I'm dead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'm so glad Charlie's back. Um... (laughs) But no, so I really enjoyed the episode a great deal. Um, I was also like everyone who's uh, familiar with Hamilton was looking forward to David Diggs showing up on the show. Um, so I really enjoyed him, and I think he's slated to do another couple episodes. Yeah, Is I, I, I want to
0: yeah. say yes, and I because yeah. he's there to be a counterpoint in this episode, but he yeah. doesn't. In he's obnoxious, but he doesn't really get a character. However, yeah. he fits like. I I think he fits the the feeling of Bo really nicely. I like the chemistry, like to to come in and have that that easy or specific, you know, not easy with uh, with (laughs) um, Dre, but but with the rest of the cast, you know, he he really slipped into the dynamic nicely. And uh, hopefully they'll have more for him to do, because I think obviously he can do. A lot more, and he already with this episode trumps the unfortunateness that they're giving Chris Jackson to do over, ugh, on uh, on bull. So bull. yeah, not like that was hard,
1: but still. <laughs> so a very good like second episode, um, and better than the premiere for sure. Um, <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. What did you think about it? Uh, anything else?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I, I liked that they didn't go to the church. Because they've already done their church episode, right. um, and and so I liked that the, that they took it a, a little different way, and I liked the way that it ended too, with the different people praying, um, except for... except <laughs> except for his brother, who's just you know contentedly, you know, and thoughtfully swirling a cup a glass of of white wine and just thinking and just in silence, yeah. um, and that I liked that it ended with that and didn't punctuated in any way. It just felt very much like, here's these different experiences and these different relationships with faith. And it's not like, oh he oh how sad he doesn't have any faith. Or it's not like, oh so you look at him he's so much better. It's just different. And yeah. I, I thought that was a nice way to to leave the episode. So yeah, certainly was one that I enjoyed. Uh the the workplace and home was very disjointed for me. Uh, yes. so not, I wouldn't put this near the best of Black's episodes, which tend to really integrate every element of, of the episode. But, um, I mean, I have so much fun with, with Charlie that I don't really care <laughs> that much. Uh, I liked the, the, the one guy who works at the office coming, just randomly having all of these Jesus tats <laughs> was, was also pretty fun. And, and a tearaway shirt, just in case, in case yeah, you just show case. off your Jesus yeah. tats. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was fun too. Um, but yeah, solid, solid, episode. And again, like I mentioned earlier, I appreciate that Blackish does do this issues based um, storytelling and comedy. Um, so yeah, glad that it's back. Uh, our last episode this week in comedy is The Good Place. Jason Mendoza. So we had last week our big end of episode twist that uh, that that Eleanor is not the only person who should the be the bad there. person,
1: right? Yeah, the only, yeah. <laughs> uh so right so i was i was dancing around it last week uh since you hadn't watched um that episode where jason's just like yeah hey i'm not supposed to be here and i just went oh well can't talk about anything until we get to this episode (laughs) um no so i enjoyed the fact that there's someone who's maybe not as bad as eleanor Mm -hmm. because eleanor is pretty terrible but she's also self-aware right and that that's the thing is like jason's not too terrible he's just dumb and not very bright mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that there's a difference between that but within the moral system that the good place takes place in the fact that he doesn't really do anything he's just kind of a slacker type character uh makes him not belong there. And I think that that's really exciting for the show. And it gives Eleanor someone else to bounce off of, which is very, very exciting uh, for the show going forward. Um, So I really enjoyed all all the weird little sides of them keeping him quiet so that they keep Eleanor quiet. Um so like he can't talk about his favorite chicken wings in <laughs> Florida and and he's just so disappointed by tofu. <laughs> Eat your sponge and at least uh, he got food. <laughs> at least he got food. No, your favorite meal was your hunger strike in nineteen seventy three. Of it course sh- it was. Oh, of course it was. But <laughs> there's just plenty of really good jokes in this episode. Like I like the explanation for why we have Beyonce. Mm, of course. I thought that was really funny. I liked the, just the fact that the chef joke didn't get tired really quickly. Like I was expecting that to just kind of collapse oh, for me.
0: It did get tired for me. Oh, like oh. within like the, I was like, Oh, I see what they're doing. They're going to do yeah. this though. Okay. But yeah. I'm glad you liked it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I really liked that. And so I'm enjoying the show. continue eat more and more? And I'm just, I'm very glad that it's doing well as well. So mm-hmm. how did you feel about this episode? And like the finding out about the twist and everything along those lines,
0: I really enjoy uh Mendoza, Jason Mendoza, and and what you know what that says about the show. And and I yeah. think it's just such a smart thing for them to do, and it opens up so many avenues, um, and a lot of potential for interactions in in the good place. And so, I, I think it's just it's really smart to do it and to do it here in episode three and episode yeah. four, you're not getting the first six episodes are the same thing on repeat the way that you get with so many freshman comedies where they're just trying to find their dynamic and trying to figure out what they are and just keep reestablishing their premise over and over again. this is really changing the dynamics over the course of these four episodes and uh, they do, they do it really well. And like you say, having another person besides Chidi for, for Eleanor to talk to gives a lot more freedom and a lot more, uh, allows for a lot more creativity and, um, yeah, it's 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 good. Now they can't do that too much more, right? So you know we'll see what happens next. But it, it also adds an element of unpredictability to it because I think we all know that Cheety's not going to do anything, and Eleanor is passionate enough about not being kicked out of the good place that she's not going to screw anything up. Um, but um, Jason is just he's just dumb. So that adds a wild card element that I appreciate. But what I my was my butthole. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was very strange. Uh, but it just guy I guess un- underlines that he is just very very dumb. That's okay. He's just very and dumb. immature and immature between twelve and thirteen year old boy. Um, yeah. The thing that I did start pondering this week about the good place is okay. how have they not have they given a reason why everyone is young.
1: There are some there are some older people that appear in next week's episode.
0: Yeah. But did they what? all die when they were young or were they did they live when, at different like times? Limbo? Or yeah. did they like like did they all die when they were 28 to 35 or whatever or did they live very different lives and some died when they were 25 and some died when they were 87 and then just this is the body that they chose from for themselves upon appearing in the good place you know what I mean like did like I've been pondering that because everyone on the show is young and attractive you know um and then you have,
1: of course... And Ted Danson, who's old and attractive.
0: Well, yes. <laughs> but, but, but of course, he's not human. He's a whole other thing, so that you kind of makes sense. But I, I've, been, I've been pondering things like that as well. Like, did they all... Because right. the, if the entire community is in their 20s and 30s, then are these all people who only live that many years? Or someone like Tahani lived to be 70, and, like, now... Because if she... If Everybody in that place died when they were very young. On the scale, you know, the scale of a human life, you'd think that should inform them somewhat. You think that there should be some level, you know, like or s- stories or I don't know. I've been thinking about that stuff in relation to the show, or if they like they lived in different time periods, and that after they died, they're like outside of time. So like, you know, like cultural touch points should theoretically be different if that were the case but I don't, I don't know. So I've been thinking a lot more actually about the world building of The Good Place.
1: No, and I think that's a totally fair thing to do because there's a show that's very invested in being specific about that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean outside of the show, like when you're talking, giving interviews and as the creator is and going like, no I read all of this stuff by Damon Lindelof to get like (laughs) ideas and to see what problems I would run into then it's just like well then you're putting a lot of work into a sitcom mm-hmm. that has a very strong established set of rules basically. Mm-hmm. And I think you're I think asking those questions is very appropriate for this show. And I hadn't really picked up on that in part because I had watched all of these like very quickly in succession and hadn't like hadn't given them space to like breathe, basically. Um but like I think that I don't think that they get to choose a body that they mm-hmm. look like. So yeah. they all died at the, like whatever age age, that this age um but there are still some folks who were like the guy who's with his soup Mm -hmm. is not exactly the right age of everyone else that's the core cast so i think even though he was very invested in that soup and it's good soup apparently (laughs) um so i think that there's just I think we have to chalk some of that up to TV-ness, but there needs to be an explanation for it within the story world at some point, I think. And maybe it's just that they decided to give Michael all the young people.
0: Yeah. Well, and it could be. Um, but yeah, yet the, where this comes into play for me more than anything else, and just yeah. idle, idle pondering about the show, is cheaty and his ethics. Because the ethics of someone in their 30s should be different theoretically than the ethics of somebody in their 80s. Right. And and also then very much defined by when you live, when and where you live. So, but that has not come up in any way on the show. Um, so I don't know if it's just like he has got, he he's part of why he's in the good places because his his thing that he spent, his book he spent entire life writing, um, which is a garbled mess, like, all the ideas, like, he's right. He's like that guy who went on shrooms and got 97% <laughs> right, you know? Like, the idea that Chidi just, his he's an ethicist and he, he got all that stuff right. And that's why he's the right person to teach. Or if his ethics should, I just, I've been pondering how, how his ethics would be shaped by his age, his lack of experience in life, and when and where he lived, um... But I, I, it's also, it was funny. It was (laughs) funny. I enjoyed it. Um,
1: yeah. No, the when and where he lived thing is a cultural specificity thing that the show's probably never, ever going to address. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Um, Yeah. That, so I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that Chidi's been immersed in what's very much been largely Western ethics philosophy Mm -hmm. with occasional mentions of like the doubt Ching was mentioned or will be mentioned, I think was mentioned and it's just like, okay, so we've got that one token bit Mm -hmm. from Eastern philosophy, but everything else has been, I tried to get through this David Hume book (laughs) (laughs) twice. Yeah. And um, so it's been very driven by Western philosophy and Western ethics. And Depending on, like, again, his experience and everything, we haven't gotten a Chibi flashback yet. That's true. And hopefully hopefully we'll get one that may answer this very question, but I'm not... I like the show a lot, but I'm not willing to give them enough credit to say they're really going to dive into a very specific answer to that particular question because I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, Just no, I don't think they will. <laughs> that that involves probably too much reach to be like the Senegal this this fellow from Senegal and his obsession with Western ethics. Where does that conflict come from? Mm-hmm. Or if are these two things that in conflict at all? So I think that there's some question about whether or not. That's going to come in play, and I'm I don't know that it is, but I'm not convinced that it will. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I, I don't. I that I enjoy that the show makes me think about this stuff, right. I, I appreciate that, and um, yeah, I certainly look forward to cheating getting a flashback. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with The Good Place, and I'm glad that it's that it seems to be so well received just across the board. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next episode in those Tahani flashbacks. That right. No, those are those are next best. week. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> They're well, good too. <laughs> what wins your week in comedy?
1: Um, I'm gonna split it between Good Place and Bob's Burgers, um, both of which I really enjoyed this week, um, for different reasons, but both ended up having to do with the afterlife still and being a good person. So uh, um, no, I'm thinking of blackish and the <laughs> I'm so tired, Kate. Um, but no, still, I'll give it to Bob's Burgers in Good Place. What about you?
0: I'm going to give it to Survivor's Remorse for its finale. Um, yeah, just really enjoying the way that that, that the season shaped up and um, the focus of it, the, the narrative focus or I should say the the thematic focus of the season is something that I've really appreciated. So uh, bring on season four, man. Um, Now we'll take a break, listen to a little more music, and come back with our week in genre, reality, and drama. genre reality and drama we're gonna kick things off with talking little marvel's luke cage season one then we'll, <laughs> horse of a different color then we'll talk about the van helsing premiere help me and seen you uh secrets and lies premiere the fall Dark premiere uh, episode one and two then we'll talk uh switch over to reality talk uh frontline the choice and rupaul's drag race all-stars drag fish tank slightly different you know, ends of the reality spectrum there. And we'll yeah. wrap, wrap this out with Halt and Catch Fire, the threshold. So first up is Marvel's Luke Cage. And of course, this was released as we're recording today. And I mean, Noel, you've seen the first seven and I'm super jealous. It took so much self-control to stop after one because I needed to watch other shows that we would talk about as we record today. Because uh, right. I just wanted to watch all of it. Uh, I've really, re- I've been very excited about Luke Cage for a long time. Just the, the, the themes of it, you know, I just think it's so timely, so overdue. The, 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 the superhero, I mean, the, the black guy who is bulletproof, um, who is just on the streets, just like low level, trying to live his life, um, and figuring out when, if and when he's going to stand up for his community and and his uh his friends and his acquaintances um where his responsibility lies for to himself and to uh just protecting those he loves um and you know through obviously the death of his wife her her, her dying as a result of you know some of this other stuff that he was doing um or tied into the world of superhero dumb i guess we could say versus his responsibility and not acting. And then what, you know, like all, all that stuff I think is just really great. When you add in this cast, you add in this creative team and I could not have been more excited for this. I only saw the first episode so far. I will be watching the rest of it pretty much as soon as we finish recording. And I really, really like this premiere. I, 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 I thought it up to all the hype and more.
1: Yeah. The first seven episodes are pretty solid. Um, I don't I think I'm have like more tempered response in that I'm just A, I kinda watch them like all back to, back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Um, which is never like I don't I'm coming around to the fact that this is not the best way to watch these Marvel Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the weird narrative pacing of these shows is just keeps happening and i don't know why it keeps happening Mm -hmm. um mainly because just this idea for a procedural element to give these episodes a stiffer spine just isn't there and so towards like episodes like five and six uh but not episode seven episode seven's fantastic but like episodes five and six are just like oh let's 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 keep moving here type of thing and so that sag that a lot of folks experienced with like jessica jones And that Daredevil hit really hard and then just never recovered from in season two um, is there. But episode seven promises a very strong forward momentum going into the back half. And I'm very, very excited about you getting to episode seven and going oh my god, WTF, barbecue sauce. <laughs> because you will. Okay. I'm just telling you, because it's a very exciting episode. Um, but no, overall, I'm still really enjoying the show. I mean, you're so right to praise the acting, because the acting's insanely good. Like, It's just top-down, really well cast. Like, We all knew Mike Coulter was already at home in this role from popping up on Jessica Jones a couple of times. But he's so good. He's so good, guys. Like I can't undersell how good he is. Um, Alfre Woodard is fantastic as a potentially corrupt congresswoman who, not congresswoman, councilwoman who maybe, maybe not has the best interest of her community at heart. Um, but she's so good, and I'm so glad that we're not getting hung up on the fact that she played someone else entirely different in Captain America's. So, or mm-hmm. because that character was just kind of a throwaway character that ended up being a very throwaway character um, but this is a much more important meatier juicier character for her to be digging into and I'm really excited about that but everyone else is just really fantastic the show's use of music is phenomenal which isn't a surprise um, but they use music just really really well to emphasize moments but to also to basically have really solid like musical interludes overlaying expositional moments or like looking at where things stand so it's a very strong series if just still suffering from kind of the same netflix marvel issues but i'm eager to finish watching it as well i have the rest of the season to go and i'm not entirely sure when i'm going to have time but Mm -hmm. i'm going to make time but i'm very excited to get through the rest of it and um we'll be hopefully doing a season spotlight on it soon with a guest yeah. So, yeah. we're trying to line up someone. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And it's just, and when there's so much TV, it can be challenging to find people. Because, yeah. uh, again, it's this, this same conversation around, okay, they, these are all released. Who has actually watched how much of it, you know? Right. Like, have people well, that's why we're getting
1: someone it? totally different for this. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers Hopefully. crossed. We'll see. We'll see. We don't want to jinx anything. So,
0: yeah. um, but, you know, it, it's... Um, Somebody like Mahershala Ali, I mean, I, I don't like House of Cards, so I stopped watching it. Um, but he got an Emmy nomination this year for his work on that, and I'm glad to be able to watch him on this instead. And he's he's a terrific actor. I first remember seeing him on the 4400 and being really uh, impressed with his performance yeah. on that. Yeah, so it's it's great to see him get this kind of a role to play. And obviously, Alfred Woodard is amazing, has been amazing. Pretty much we all do that. We yeah, all know yeah. that. <laughs> but but it's just lovely to to discover new actors who I hadn't seen before um, in some of the supporting roles, and to watch these other actors that I'm familiar with, but I haven't learned their names yet, and I probably will through watching Luke Cage, uh, watching them get to, to have to have fun in this show. I appreciate the the balance of some, having something to say and. And fun that I think is, you know, that that superhero energy that is possible in a show like Luke Cage. And I felt like I was getting in this first episode. Um, Of course, I I have very high hopes. Maybe next week I'll come back and say, well, it couldn't live up to my ridiculously high expectations. Maybe I'll come back and say that next week. But right now, um, i just... I feel like with Luke Cage and with Jessica Jones, it feels like Luke Cage is much more in the vein of Jessica Jones than of of Daredevil in in yes. having things to say. And having points of view and wanting to, to have social commentary amongst the rest of the storytelling. Daredevil could. You've got a blind lawyer. You've got somebody who's a defense attorney theoretically fighting for the small guys. But that's never been part of what the show is. The show is much more interested in random ninjas. So uh, hope, th- this feels like it's much more in the vein of Jessica Jones having something distinct to say. Um, also, I just think the, like the, the little bits I was seeing with the, the cre- interviews with the creators and their priorities and what their goals are with the show encouraged me along that in that vein. So I will report back when I've had a chance to see more. And hopefully you will as well, um, Noel. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm... I'm very glad I went into it very hyped. So either the first episode could have had a hard time living up to my expectations or more likely I could have some rose tinted glasses going on, but um, hopefully the rest of the season will be in that vein. And I look forward to, and as I understand uh, Rosario Dawson has a more significant role in this.
1: Yeah. She'll show up in episode. Gosh. I think she shows up around episode five or mm-hmm. it's like five, six or seven. She shows up. She's definitely there by episode seven, but I want to say she shows up. Uh, yeah. It's episode five. Cause I remember she shows up like right at the beginning of episode five. And I went finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what we all do now. Whenever Rosario Dawson shows up on the Netflix shows, we just all go collectively.
0: Finally. And the show um, gets much better. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> there... Immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, no, the other thing I'll say for you to keep an eye out for while you're watching is to keep an eye on Theo Rossi, who, I don't know if he's in the first episode or not. Um, Shades. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's in yeah. the first. Yeah, yeah. Um, he ends up, like, he just quietly starts stealing scenes from people in the same way that um, Toby, Toby Leonard Moore, I think that was his name, did in the first season of Daredevil as Fisk's assistant. Mm-hmm. He just starts kind of quietly just walking away with the show. And it's a really great performance from him. But, yeah, no, I'm really excited for you to keep watching. And I'm excited to keep watching.
0: Now, when I'm not excited to keep watching, and I didn't keep watching, is Van Helsing. <laughs> Uh, after, you know, hearing such great stuff about the most recent season of Killjoys, which I still haven't caught up with, and enjoying so much of season one of Under Earp, I was like, okay, let's give Van Helsing a shot. This is, of course, the new show about Vanessa Helsing that's on the Sci-Fi channel. Uh, I watched Help Me. You watched Help Me and Seen You. I yep. was, like, I guess by the the first scene, they could have had me, but by the end of the first episode, I was just completely checked out of this one. I didn't think it was very interesting at all and I will not be back. Uh, how would you feel yeah. about Van Helsing?
1: Well, I did the first two and I won't be doing any more. Um, this was a really bad week of premieres for sci-fi originals because Aftermath also premiered and Aftermath was basically just apocalypse Mad Libs and it mm-hmm. was really really bad. Van Helsing's slightly better than Aftermath. So if you're going to pick one, <laughs> pick Yay. Van Helsing. With that <laughs> yeah. ringing
0: endorsement. Just go watch one on our said.
1: Right, that's your best, if you can find it, Yeah, but <laughs> that's your best choice. But no, um, Van Helsing, just, it's rough going. Um, that first episode is just a really bad introduction to the world, um, mainly because it's, well, we're going to do an immediate res opening, then we're going to do the 36 hours flashback, and then at the end of that episode, we're going to have an entire episode that's just one flashback to before the world fell apart. For the second episode. And that episode is actually really good. Um, It's written by Simon Barry, who did Continuum. And so there's a lot... It makes a lot more sense. It works a lot better than the first episode, which is just really heavy on violence and generic survivors and soldiers and... Lots of tropes. Lots of tropes. And also the fact that Subway just needs to be stopped. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from product integration because when i'm learning that a character misses subway double meat sandwiches the most that's not a characterization that's just product placement mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's bad um so it's a very frustrating first episode that's just ah look at all this crazy stuff we're going to do and it's not none of it's particularly crazy and then the second episode is much better world building it's settled you get a very strong sense of Vanessa's life before the world before she ended up as sleeping beauty which is what they keep calling her and you get a sense of what like started causing the world to kind of collapse 3 years ago and that episode's just much more better paced it's very interesting it's not interesting enough for me to keep going with the show because everything else is going to keep happening in the post apocalyptic period with all the scary vampires that are just kind of boring, because mm-hmm. um, we meet vampire leaders in... I don't remember if they show up in the first episode, but they show up in the second episode, and they're just very, very boring. Um, so, not not any re- real reason to keep tuning into this based on these two episodes. If it improves, someone let me know and tell me when to start coming back to it, but I'm not motivated to come back to this at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, the other thing that I... I, I don't... Again, I only watched the first episode. Um, but the other thing that was making me a little uncomfortable with the the way that this starts is that in the early i don't I don't think it not in the very first scene, but in the the beginning of this episode, we see a bunch of vampires and we see a bunch of humans killing vampires. yes, and all not all. Many of the vampires we see are played by black actors and they're rabid and they're crazy and they need to be caged up like the doctor. And most of the heroes are white. And so it was, I was, there's a little bit of uncomfortableness for me watching this being like, are they trying to have a message here? Did no. they just really not think about the optics of having a bunch of rabid black characters that need to be shot with military guns? Weapons. I mean, I think there's just an unfortunate timing with the realities of some of the the news, I guess, uh, in America over the past many years. But like, there was a little bit of that that was making me uncomfortable as well. And hopefully, now that we know that Vanessa's blood can make vampires human again, right. hopefully, I don't remember. Did they did they kill the vampire doctor? Uh, I if if they did, uh, I can't remember if they did. Remember. If they if they didn't kill the vampire doctor, hopefully she'll be a human doctor soon. Uh, the one vampire that they turned human was the white vampire, um. But I think there was like a couple of the white vampires. It's, it's not like I'm not calling the show racist. I just think that there were unfortunate
1: optics. Yeah, yeah,
0: uh, undertones that can come through there that I think shows need to be aware of and consider. When they're, you know, in, in their casting, especially if you're going to have one black guy, the in the most clean cut of clean cut ba- black guys, is your your uh, your one hero who's not white. He's wearing a Nirvana
1: shirt for Pete's sake.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like then, I just it would be good for somebody to be like, wait, just, just FYI, can we just just let's just cha- be aware of this, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, that was making me a little uncomfortable. I wanted to at least mention it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. If anybody else was having the same issue, please write in so I don't feel quite so crazy. Um, but, yeah, not going to be watching anymore Van Helsing. I'm more likely, but still not likely, to watch more of Secrets and Lies. This premiere uh, this week of the fall is actually one that went up on screener sites like last year. It was going to be a spring show. Then they pushed it to be a fall show. And I remember... So, it's been a while. But I remember actually... Uh, Finding myself surprisingly enjoying the first few episodes of this season. Um, I think I've seen two, maybe three. I think I think, I think I've seen two, and and at least thinking it was a step up from season one. Um, in the spring, when there's less TV happening, in summer there's less TV happening. It's easier for me to have vaguely positive thoughts about *Secrets and Lies*. In the fall, when there's a million premieres it's a lot harder to make time for it. Do you, first of all, what did you think of this premiere? Did you watch season one at all? And are you going to be making any time for secrets and lies?
1: Right. So I'd watched the first, I want to say two or three episodes of season one with Ryan Philly And it was fine. Um, I heard it got pretty strong as it went along, much stronger as it went along, which was reassuring to hear, but I also just didn't go back to it. Even if I did kind of like the, weird vibe energy that Juliet Luce was leaning into and is still very much leaning into. I think that's a really interesting performance that's on TV. That's probably not getting enough attention. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's a very different kind of performance um, without being aggressive about the weirdness of the character, which I think is good. Um, so this was fine, mm. I guess. Um, I wasn't particularly like compelled to watch a second episode, uh, mainly because like, I felt like the central question for last season was for us, whether or not Felipe's character had killed the kid mm-hmm. and this season, it feels very much like the show doesn't want us to give a reason to have that question, at least in the premiere, uh, cause I'm going through the premiere very much like, well, I don't really feel like he killed her, but I also don't really care if he did. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we're getting extended flashbacks with their relationship as it developed to the point where they're getting married, he, she's pregnant, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, But like, it feels more like we're digging into her past. Like sh- she has a secret PO box. She has a secret iPad. She's got a, she had a, she had a child at some point that no one else was aware of. And it's just, I'm trying to figure out if the episode, not the episode, if this series this, this season is going to be about digging into her secret and lies, whether or not, as opposed to digging into his secrets and lies. Because, again, it's an ABC primetime soap, so everyone will have secrets and lies to tell. Um, I don't know that I care about anyone's secret and lies at this point. So you'll have to let me know if it's worth watching anything past this.
0: Yeah, if I watch yeah, it. If, yeah.
1: Yeah, if you watch any more past this. Well, and
0: I think part of that is also when you cast Michael Ely to be your lead, he's so ridiculously charismatic and charming. He and and, and also how he usually is cast, he didn't do it. Right. Like, they'd have to sign they'd have to give him some very different stuff to play, which I'm sure yeah. as an actor he would appreciate since he doesn't usually, at least on the stuff I've seen, he doesn't tend to get those roles. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I didn't feel like they were going for that question of, oh, did yeah. he do it? Um, which is fine, it's just a different way to go. Uh, I right. also enjoyed seeing Terry O'Quinn on something other than Who like Hawaii, Five- was he on Hawaii 50 Five- oh, for a while? What was he on? He was on something that filmed in Hawaii.
1: Are you? Th- He may have been, but I mean, I I feel like the most recent thing he was on was that 666 Park Avenue show. No,
0: I'm thinking of the one season show that they did film in Hawaii about like Border Patrol or Coast Guard something where like the one it was a summer show. I'm not remembering what it's called. Uh, Lots of explosions and like connections to it was like there was like a cop. Who was I'm looking it up undercover. right now, but you keep
1: describing it, go for it. <laughs>
0: it was like a cop who was actually like had connections to like the mob who was undercover um for the mob within the So the you're just department. describing Mob
1: Doctor now.
0: And and uh it was there's lots of you're looking it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. But no, he was like the well, the chief No,
1: here here's the thing. He was actually on Hawaii Five O for four seasons.
0: Oh see there we go. I'm not crazy. There you go. You're not crazy. <laughs> but he was
1: on the show too. No, he did 14 episodes of Hawaii 50. No, but but
0: know. what was the other
1: show that he did more recently? Uh there's gang related and yeah. Full Circle and yeah. Patriot. The guy just the guy d- doesn't stop working.
0: No, well, that's because he's <laughs> terrific. But um, right, so yeah, I, th- I thought he was good in this too. But and like you said, I am also more positive on Juliette Lewis than a lot of people seem to be, at least in this role. Um, and I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I, I think she's
1: good. I, I yeah. like her vibe. Like I said, it's yeah. good for it's a good fit.
0: So am I going to watch more Secrets and Lies? Not anytime soon. But <laughs> if I run out of uh, out of shows and I'm looking for something, you know, chill and and low key, um, on, you know, and nice and disposable. Could I watch a marathon of Michael Ely being charming and concerned about his dead wife? Yes. So we'll see what if that happens. <laughs> um, speaking of being, uh, not, I don't think charming is the right word, but charismatic, I think, is. Uh, Poldark, or lots of people love Aiden Turner, as it could also be called. A- Aiden Turner brooding. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, over over English vistas. Don't yes. forget
0: the English vistas, because those are really, really important. It's a key <laughs> key part of that, yeah. Poldark came back for season two. I have not seen any of this show. You've seen the first two of season two. Did you watch season one as well?
1: I gobbled up season one. Yeah.
0: Okay, so tell me about Poldark and why I should be watching it, and what did you think of the beginning of season two?
1: Right, so Poldark Dears with this... Um, would, would be heir to this uh, sizable land and mine. Um, but he ends up like going overseas to fight in the Revolutionary War, uh, comes back kind of disgraced and his father kind of lost all the land and the mines and shambles and all this sort of stuff. So the first season is very much about him reestablishing himself within the community, um, dealing with family intrigue, dealing with uh, Nouveau Riche. Like a blacksmith's son is now like one of the richest people in town and he's very much like nope we're not having any more of this landed aristocracy bullshit <laughs> this is stopping right here so he's got a grudge against Poldark and you watched the premiere right
0: no i didn't I was, no you I didn't, didn't watch you yeah. didn't have
1: time okay so you didn't see this guy okay anyway so that's very much the first season and then it ends with um Dark and leading leading air quotes a kind of riot against a ship that washes up, a sh- that crashes on the shore, and pillaging and possible murdering, and he strikes a customs officer and all this sort of stuff. So, Wait, the premiere. Does he look very dashing as he does this? Yeah, it's Aiden Turner. So, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Aiden Turner. The guy always looks dashing, even as a dwarf. <laughs> he They could not hide him, his dashingness, even under dwarf makeup in The Hobbit. Touché. Um. Yeah, no, it just, it can't be done. Um, So the premiere is a two-hour kind of a slog of his trial and people getting anxious about his trial and legal strategies and doing whatever is possible to make sure that he's found guilty or doing whatever is possible to make sure that he's found innocent uh, so that he doesn't go to prison. Um, There's no doubt that he's not going to go to prison (laughs) because there's not a show otherwise, (laughs) Uh, So The Trial becomes very much this um, microcosm of everyone's feelings about Poldark. Uh, So it's kind of too long of a slog um, for me because a lot of this could have been done in an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But at two hours, it's a lot of just sitting and talking and it doesn't really kick in until like the last. Half hour where the trial happens And the fallout from the trial And once that stuff starts going It's really riveting, it's really good stuff Uh, But it's just It took way too long to get there But now that he's back, he has to rebuild Again, the mine He has to do and now he has to fend off another takeover from the mine from the blacksmith's son and all this stuff so it's all the good type of intrigue plus his wife's pregnant again but he doesn't he doesn't know that yet because she didn't want to tell him in case he was going to go to prison and all sorts of fun intrigue and there'll also be plenty of brooding while looking at vistas (laughs) that's all we go to this show for is really the brooding and the vistas okay um but it's it's I really enjoy it when it's firing on all cylinders. Towards the end of the first season, they did some really interesting perspective stuff at a dinner party that just kind of came out of nowhere for the show, but it was really, really good. So I'm like hyper aware for them to do like small little formalistic flourishes. Um, But it's still a really well put together show. It's a really well acted show. And if you like this kind of period piece, um, romance, drama type stuff, then it will be very much in your wheelhouse. Um, if you don't like any of that stuff, then this is not a show to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do like those elements, um, I think that the, for a very real reason, Masterpiece's key art of him looking stern but charismatic on a English shoreline as waves crash up behind him looks like a romance novel is very purposeful because that's what the show is on a very fundamental level, but it's a really well-executed romance novel. Um, and I really enjoy really well-executed period piece romances anyway. So this is very much within something I would enjoy. So if that's something else you enjoy, just start watching Dark on Masterpiece. It'll be on your PBS affiliate. Um, if you've already seen it and because you're in the UK, well, good for you. Um, but this is I really enjoy it and I'm eager for episode three uh, to get the show going back going. yeah well
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, uh, I, I'll have to check it out and I'll let you know yeah. I'll let you know what I think but yeah that's all very wheelhouse for me not so much as it is for I know some friends of the show and for some of our listeners um, but. It's like, like for example, I tried but was not a huge fan of Sexy Vicker. Um, uh, sorry, Grantchester. Uh, it has a name, and um,
1: so I don't know. No, it doesn't. It's it's just Sexy Vicar. <laughs> Even I know that. And I've never watched the show, yeah. but it's just Sexy Vicker. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but I do enjoy the cast, and and I'm intrigued by what what you have said here. So I I wouldn't have made time for it, but now I will, and I will report back with my thoughts. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: our next uh, our next show here takes us over to reality, and we have from Frontline the Choice, which is a two hour documentary um, about um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, so, sort of showing their uh, history of their life leading up and and when the documentary what uh, documentarian I should say behind it uh, filmmaker behind it connects to their their decision to run for president and and then what their path has been. So looking at their childhood, look you know, looking at the moment that, or or some of the instigating moments in their life that led them on the path that they are, and of course this this aired this week right before our first presidential debate of the season. So, um, what did you think of the choice?
1: Well, I really like when these kind of like news centric documentaries have a very strong thesis. So, like you said, like both the the introduction through. The documentary is. This is when Donald decided to run. Was being mocked by the president at the White House press correspondence dinner, and then it was Hillary. And it's basically well forever, basically yeah, always, always was specifically
0: getting becoming a- politically active after Martin Luther right. King.
1: Yes, right. So very, but it also like by having that kind of very strong thesis. It guides everything else in ways that can end up feeling really limiting. And that was kind of the wall I ran into with the choice is that it's well-researched. I learned a lot about Trump because I just didn't know anything about him previously. Who doesn't know a lot about Hillary Clinton at this point if you've been in the United States and you've been alive for at least 30 years?
0: Actually, I think a lot of people don't know who aren't like Hillary stans. Um, and I'm not either, but I mean, it's just Yeah, I don't know necessarily yeah. as much about her life and career Before entering the, the national stage Sure, and that's fair But after, like yeah. from Clinton, Bill Clinton's presidency on I mean, I feel like yeah. she's most people have know, know where she's coming from
1: Right, and I mean, I was familiar with like her stuff at uh, Yale and meeting Bill And I even knew a little bit about her stuff at Wesleyan as well um so a lot of that was just like reminding rehash type stuff and she's been hitting some of the family connections home recently as well on campaign trail anyway but what it does is that it leans itself to kind of a grand unified theory of these people as human beings and not always the best way to approach this kind of thing because it reduces them in a lot of ways which In one case, maybe not the best situation, and in another case, probably a very accurate case. (laughs) Um, So I I think it steers, like, a lot of the talking head sections um, in making sure that they draw those connections, and what it also ends up doing, and this was more frustrating on the Hillary side, is that it kind of glazes over a lot of stuff. Um, Because, like... Hillary's time in the Senate is basically non-existent within this documentary. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, she became a senator so that she could reestablish herself as her own individual person and tap into the Democratic Foundation and establishment. Who cares about anything she did as a legislator? Accurate, but limiting. But the Trump stuff all feeds into this uh, degree of egomania, this degree of... Anything I have to do to win, and even if I'm losing, I'm going to declare myself a winner. Type of stuff, is hit home really heavily from the Taj Mahal failure to and pick your take your pick of the sex scandal uh, that happened uh, in the late '80s, early '90s. I my timeline's a little fuzzy on that to his resurgence on The Apprentice. So I think it's a really well put together documentary and very well researched. I just think that its thesis ends up limiting it in very specific ways that does a disservice to Hillary, but probably does the best service to Trump, but it also still reduces him very much to this very basic psychoanalysis, which again, I'm not a huge fan of even within a two hour documentary but it was still really informative and still really interesting um and i was glad that you suggested i watch it uh how did you feel about it i thought it was
0: really interesting i do think it mm-hmm. would be uh, excellent viewing for anyone who i mean i people have been tweeting about this but i don't really understand how someone can be undecided at this point um there's right. a lot of people but if you are um then i would recommend watching it but i it it's 2 hours long and yet there's so much it skims over because these are two people who are not spring chickens and have lived very eventful lives um, and it's it skims over a lot for both of them. It skims over, I don't know, positive things it skims over for Trump they might exist they very likely you know i'm sure there's stuff that i don't know about but it definitely skims over some really serious negative stuff for him too there's no talk of for example his first wife testifying that he raped her um and it does it, there's plenty of other really bad stuff that they don't they don't cover for trump which i think helps it from feeling too biased and maybe it's just the fact that i know that right you know, makes it feel less biased to me than if I didn't it might feel like it was biased towards Clinton. It also skims over some some stuff for her, uh positive yeah. and negative. So again, I would agree with this that idea that they had that they did their research, they put all the stuff together and they decided on a narrative that they felt uh accurately portrayed these two people and was clear and would work in this context of, of a document to our documentary. Um so yeah, it, it it's not everything you theoretically need to know, but I do think it's informative and I think it is, Um, again, from my particular perspective, I'm not going to pretend that I don't have an, a strong opinion about this upcoming election. It seemed like it was pretty even handed. They don't like, for example, with Clinton, um, there's no sense that like. She's all sunshine and daisies, and then Republicans didn't like her, and then she became closed up. Like it, from as soon as she's on the political scene, um, in any significant way, they have her being more tending towards secretiveness. Like this, like that, not being a new thing. Like so, I, I don't think they shy away from or completely ignore um, some of these negative elements of, of Clinton as well. Um, and they certainly no, don't for Trump. No.
1: no, they don't because I mean, there's a very strong and clear drive for hillary's consistent use of remodeling herself as is politically expedient yeah um which feeds into this narrative of her a being secretive but also just being a very calculated person yeah uh which turns a number of people off um And so that's very front and center within this. It's just like, oh, Bill lost because she wore weird glasses, didn't have a drawl, and was active, and her hair was weird uh, for Arkansas at the time. Yeah. And so she came back with a slight drawl, totally different clothes, different hairstyle, lost the glasses, all this stuff. And then again, after um, when she did the Christmas tour, which is super iconic— Mm -hmm. from the 90s and just this total change after the failure of the healthcare reform plan
0: yeah you can like feel her soul dying as she's introducing this is a christmas tree let me take you on have
1: have you watched all of that before i've not watched the whole thing no Oh, God, it's so depressing. Yeah. You can just, like you say, you can very much just see her soul leaching away.
0: Yeah. You know what reminded me of, actually, was um, Kimmy Schmidt this season like, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Anna Camp character who's way too qualified for the lifestyle <gasps> she's chosen. Um, but yeah, and it is, I mean, again, as a woman watching this, to watch somebody who's Brilliant by all accounts, everyone who's you know, all of her colleagues at school, like other people, all of her colleagues, now. everyone will agree she's brilliant. Yeah. Um, just being like, No, I'm just I'm keeping my maiden name, why would I change my name? I, yeah, you know, and then and watching that just get winned away over time was just like, It just breaks your heart. And so, listening to her friends from Wellesley and be like, why she wait she's she's taking his name, and then she goes from Hillary Rodham to Hillary Rodham Clinton to Hillary Clinton over time, and she changes her appearance. watch the, like this her learn the lesson that she can't be herself she has to model herself into this idea of the the political wife um even somebody as strong and as as um uh as as competent and as brilliant as as hillary clinton learning that lesson now you could argue that that isn't the lesson she necessarily needed to learn she could have learned a different lesson and gone a different way but that is that is the choice that she made um it's very i think it's very telling about who she is now and her approach to to politics and her approach to the media and her her public perception and everything i think it's important to remember where you know like the 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 because like uh, I think it's important to look at where these people came from And how they've been shaped by their experiences And they didn't just pop up now You know, they didn't just pop up for this election They have And, and obviously Clinton's been a, a very Public persona for a long time And so has Trump
1: Yeah, no, Trump's been around for eons yeah. Even just out even before, like the Apprentice and fourteen seasons of which they kept emphasizing, yeah, um, yeah, like within Manhattan he was huge, huge for so long,
0: <laughs> yeah. But I, anyways, I thought it just to really, even just having the pictures then and the pictures now and listening to them speak then and now and stuff, it just really hits home the progression of time and how that has and hasn't affected them in different yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought it was very interesting. I d- like I said, it's not like it's the perfect be-all end-all of of documentaries or anything like that. But I think it's very informative um, and in an, a, a political election cycle that has just been crazy. I, it's nice to see some what feels like pretty just straight-up reporting, informational. Yes, there's probably some perspective and opinions going on in there, but it does feel pretty fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's very much a framing device. And like I said, there's a thesis. Yeah. So they just follow that thesis through. And that's, that's fine. Like, I mean, you're doing a news documentary, you're not, and this gets into like larger things I've talked about before with documentaries, that there's not really anything objective about documentaries um so i'm not expecting an objectivity even from frontline with its news documentaries i'm not expecting that sort of thing i'm still expecting some sort of a perspective and they offer one for each
0: mm-hmm. yep yeah. well if you watch that listeners chime in let us know what you thought about it i'm certainly i'm going to be recommending it to um to some of my friends and family who i know don't watch it but have been following the election very closely i think it'll be interesting them um but let's move on to a very different end of the reality spectrum that's RuPaul's Drag Race (coughs) All-Stars uh Drag Fish Tank I just wanted to mention this very briefly uh because I thought the elimination was was some bullshit
1: yeah why don't you tell us why you thought it was some bullshit I do not disagree with you Mm -hmm. because it's kind of ridiculous Mm -hmm. but it also kind of got overshadowed for the lip sync legacy for me, which I really enjoyed this week.
0: <laughs> I think that RuPaul. I think everybody pretty much knows Alaska's going to win. These things are fixed. Yes. There's no, there's no pretense that it's not fixed. RuPaul is making a variety show, not a reality competition show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be some flexibility as to who's going to be in the top three, but it feels very clear that Alaska is. Going to win. So, um, and, and you can see that in this because I didn't think she deserved to win the lip sync at all. I thought. Oh, I did.
1: I thought she did great in the lip sync.
0: I thought she was fine. I thought she was good, but I, th- I thought that Katya was, was way better. Um, it was Katya, right? Or Detox? It was Katya. It was um, But also, I didn't think it was Pretty even sure. close between Toddy, uh, Tatiana and Roxy, like, not even a little bit. And no. uh, I, it felt to me, it just felt very manipulated in a way that I know that the show is. But usually they do a better job of not letting it feel as manipulated. Um, so Alaska was always going to win that. She was always going to be in the top, even though she shouldn't have been in the top, I didn't think. The top two. But she was going to be in the top two so that she could win the lip sync. So that she would have to, they would have the drama of her deciding if she was going to send Roxy home. Because that's what they wanted to show. That's what they wanted her to have to choose between. Um, and create drama that way. And uh, they didn't really... I didn't think that Tatiana necessarily deserved to be in the bottom. thought Roxy did. Um, I didn't think that Alaska deserved to be in the top. So, uh, and I don't th- I think that... Um, I-, I don't think that the other queens would have sent Tatiana home. Especially no. after destroying in the runway like she did.
1: Right, no. I don't think that there's any... Doubt that Roxy should have gone home. Like, even I think that there's a small enough break within the facade that I mean, they cut to Rue looking surprised, yeah, that Roxy's not going home and like just surprised enough. It's not disappointment, it's kind of like, wait, what, what, what. Mm-hmm. And I mean, RuPaul may be enough of an actor that it's feigned, but I like that the shot just stood out to me. It was her mouth just dropping just enough to go, but no, you were supposed to send Roxy home. (laughs) (laughs) And that really stood out. So, and plus Roxy's commercial was just really bad. Um, And also Roxy just hasn't been performing well at all, which they keep emphasizing every time now. It's just, Roxy's been to the bottom like three times. It's just like, I know. You guys don't do anything about it though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't have the versatility that Tatiana has because Tatiana can do the looks but she can also do some comedy she can do some other stuff too and right. and Tatiana and, and Roxy is really good at her thing but she can't yes. stretch the way that these other queens can so yeah that was frustrating to me did you think that Alaska deserved to be in the top two? I,
1: I liked her commercial plenty mm-hmm. I thought it was really I thought it was good um, yeah I, I was fine with that okay so maybe I'm part of the problem
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I would have put uh, Alyssa in the bottom before I would have put
1: Tatiana. Uh, Alyssa was just trading too much on Alyssa's secrets again. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine and I think that that's just really playing to the judges more than anything at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and that's 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 fine. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you in so far as if if Alaska doesn't win then it's Alyssa's. Mhm. So.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens with it, but um yeah. It was just Disappointing for because I know you were more attentive about last week as well. I was much more in, uh, a bigger fan of last week's episode, but for me, yeah. coming off such a strong episode to have such like a bald facedly, you know, and and the show was already done for Tatiana what it was gonna do, which was introduce her to a new group of fans, uh, give her a strong you got robbed narrative that mm-hmm. you know people will latch on to and really that should increase her profile quite a bit. But you know, I'm so I'm glad you got to come back. I'm glad that she got to kill it. Uh, particularly on the runway. Um, and, um, yeah, it's a shame, but she wasn't going to win anyways. No. Hopefully Roxy goes home next week. It's been ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no, Roxy doesn't need to go home next week. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we don't have any problem with you, Roxy. You just, like, amongst these people, you are not the best. Yeah. Um. Anyways, our, our last show of the week here is Halt and Catch Fire, uh, The Threshold.
1: And... How much did we do fighting? Why why are they fighting?
0: Yeah. Why, why are they
1: I'm 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 crying a lot.
0: I'm yeah. not crying a
1: lot, but I'm I'm angry and shouting at my TV a lot. Yeah.
0: But it, I do think that they they've earned this and they've come to it yes. organically. And I I mean, as much as it breaks your heart the way this episode ends, I do think hopefully this is a lesson that Cameron will learn and that she can recover from and that Donna can recover from as well. But Cameron has spent the entire season, at least this season, disrespecting Donna and not valuing her as a partner. Basically, you know, like the the there's a lot of there's a lot of truth that comes out in that fight. This idea that like that some part of her believes that Don has just been along for the ride and it's been all Cam- Cameron's brilliance that has made this happen. And that's not how it works. Me- Neither one of them is going to truly succeed without the other. Um, yeah. and hopefully that is what this part of the season will show them learning.
1: Oh, uh, I like how you say this part of the season, uh, but we only have two weeks left. <laughs> we
0: have three episodes. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully. I want things fixed by the end of the season, just in case there's not another season.
1: Well, and see, I absolutely agree that, like, they both very much need one another, um, mainly because you need Donna's practicality mm-hmm. to balance out the fact that Cameron just, like, goes forward and drives really, really quickly. And I liked the fact that the show balanced this idea of Cameron being really impulsive but Cameron also basically having a one to two year plan.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I love that. I and I she's think also ch-
0: right. This is the right. other thing.
1: Yeah, it's just like. But at the same time, Donna is also correct in that yeah. that market is going to change very very quickly. We need to get this done now. Mm-hmm. And it's just it that whole I want to vote now was so gut wrenching. Like on any number of levels, just Gordon being like. I don't want to do this, but I have to live with her. <laughs>
0: yeah. She's my wife.
1: She's my but wife. I have to do this. My
0: loyalty to you extends to me telling you this and not letting you get sandbag. And that's a betrayal yeah. of my wife, but yeah. I'm not going to betray her so much that I'm not going to vote with her even when she's wrong.
1: Right. And then also just Boz. God, Boz is killing me, Kate. Yeah. Killing me. Yeah. And so just Boz being like, I, I don't know, but yes, but no. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really good. I mean, if you had told me in season one that this is where the show would have been, like that my reaction to all of this would have been, oh no, (laughs) I wouldn't have believed you because season one is just so not what this show has become in any way, shape or form as it. Begins to become season one again <laughs> with with Gordon and um uh, Joe, Joe um, going into business again and, yeah, I didn't
0: I didn't quite I buy didn't, that.
1: I didn't really buy it either. I really struggled with that idea, um, in part because I'm not I don't I, I admittedly do not understand what Joe and Ryan were doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why it's a good idea (laughs) I just know it's a good idea Because people on the show keep telling me It's a good idea But I don't know why it's a good idea So I'm kind of like trying to figure that out But then I just keep getting reminded That Ryan is such a non-character Still Yeah And it's just like I made it all free, I put it out there And it's just like, well you're an idiot Yeah, yeah (laughs) Yep is the, is the correct response to that Yeah um, But it's just Ryan's such a non-character That it just felt very much like Like I said at the beginning Was that he was very much Just something there to motivate This rec- semi reconcile This silent partner reconciliation That we're having now mm-hmm. And I feel really frustrated that For that actor And for Who This has done Decent work With a very bad character And it's just, it's just not good, but it's a very minor quibble and quibbles are what I'm left with when I get scenes like them arguing in the boardroom twice in one episode. But when I also get like really just very quiet, small things like Donna, not Donna, Cameron's like just reaching out her hand just enough so that her new husband knows to grab her and get her the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a very small like she barely raises it type of thing but it raises it just enough for it to be noticeable and it's just like that kind of stuff makes up for any sort of quibbles that I that I'm left to offer with where the show is right now.
0: Yeah, it's terrific. It really and and it's it's interesting because I love each episode that I watch and it still doesn't <laughs> ping in my brain as this is one of the best things I've watched this year.
1: Yeah. No, I'm having, I'm but, having the exact same conversation with myself when I watch an episode. It's just like, this is really, really good, but I'm never, I'm never conscious of the fact that this is easily one of the best things I'm watching this year right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know why, you know, yeah. even if it's just like fighting the programming of, of white male antiheroes are the important and capital G great shows. Yeah. Maybe it's even just some of that residual stuff that we don't cuz there's no reason if you look at the show and and we've been I mean especially particularly myself I've been effusive in my praise yeah. of the last, you know, like several episodes of this season um and yet it do, I don't go ooh, oh my goodness, there's another Hall and catch fire. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to love it. Yeah, And then as soon as I d- watch it of course That's my reaction because it's been terrific They've been hitting it out of the park from ca- On character, on writing, on direction On music, on all of this stuff On editing It's not a perfect season Ryan is an issue And I still think that uh, I don't buy Gordon Trusting Joe to any extent ever again um, So that, that's a gimme there That I have to extend to them Yeah but-, but
1: just wait until Cameron joins up with them again Because that's where it's going
0: Yeah but I don't I don't
1: I'm different. not going to buy it either when it happens, yeah. but I yeah. feel like that's where we're going with this.
0: Yeah. But um, yeah. for whatever reason, it's still like the palette still rebels to some extent. I have to fight it. I just, I just I think I just need to keep reminding myself that this is so good and it has been so strong and that it's it's a couple years of excellent groundwork being laid. I mean, I didn't watched most of season one i jumped in when, I, and
1: you made the correct decision
0: i feel good i still feel great <laughs> about that choice um but like all of season two and then how far we've come in season three as well all laying the groundwork to get us to where we are and so much of it feeling so organic and so natural to these characters um yeah it's been terrific
1: it really has like i'm this entire discussion has just reminded me like it's just I've been thinking about other shows I've really enjoyed this year and it's just like, this is it. This is one of those shows I've really enjoyed this year that is like very strong contender type (laughs) for when we get to December and start talking about our best of lists. And it's just like, this should, this is a very strong contender for, if not top 10, then definitely like top
0: five. Yeah. Wait, if not top five. If not top top five, five. then top
1: 10 for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Absolutely. And, um. I look forward to seeing what that will be. What that uh, that's going to be
1: fun. On the upside, like this fall season is not offering anything so far. That's no. going to be able to like really push things forward unless you know designated survivor just becomes this really thoughtful meditation on the collapse of the U.S. government.
0: Yeah, that's why I just always think really it's <laughs> not a good idea to like, like. I don't. You don't really see people do like top ten shows of the year so far when we get to yeah. like July. The way that you do with films sometimes, and that's because if you did that, you'd be burning your list for the end of the year. Because usually, yeah. all the best shows are happening in that first half. Um, it's been a, I would say, on average, it's been a off year. What do you think?
1: So yeah, far? I think off off years fair um, for new stuff anyway. Um, I'm excited about I'm excited about a few shows new, but I mean, it's just I'm not feeling much and. Oh, the more veteran shows are still performing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but I'm also just like I need Crazy Ex-Girlfriend back in my life I because do. I I need it, Kate. I need it. I need <laughs> it. I need it. I need it. But I need it that's... If only
0: for music cues,
1: right? Exactly. But I also just need it for delightful th- representation and thoughts about mental health and. I'm, we're getting ahead of ourselves because so yeah. it's not even on yet. It's not
0: even on yet. I love that poster, though. <laughs> the I Can Fix It poster. Have you yeah. Seen? Yeah, for season two. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. Well, when we start talking about a show that isn't even on the air yet, it means that it's time to wrap up the segment. So what wins your week in reality, genre, and drama?
1: Um, Plenty of stuff would win. Like, um, Luke Cage, just for the first sevens just really strong, really thoughtful. And Halt and Catch Fire was great. I'm just going to do like... Cheat and do like a spotlight for what we for what I didn't get to mention was um, Star Wars Rebels came back this week, um, with a semi slight time skip apparently. Um, but like Grand Admiral Thrawn is a expanded universe immigrant now, so he's canon, he's canon, he's officially canon, <laughs> Very and Lars Mickelson is doing a really nice job voicing him already. That's Mads' brother, uh-huh. um, and he does it's a very distinct alien type of voice, which fits with Thrawn. And I'm very excited to see where this, I'm using the dark side for good. Ezra is going to go. I'm very excited about that. Um, so I'm very excited about where Star Wars Rebels is going this season. So I'll, Cheat, even if it wasn't the strongest premiere, it was definitely a very good premiere, and I'm very excited to see what they're going to do um, going forward. Uh, What about you? What won your week in this smorgasbord of a category this (laughs) week?
0: I'm going to give it to Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was terrific. And I didn't watch Star Wars Rebels, though I am familiar with Admiral Thrawn because of a ridiculously amazing Admiral Thrawn costume my Mm -hmm. freshman year of college that one of my friends in the sci fi club. Like, we're talking blue paint, we're talking red contacts, like, he went, yes. he like, hand-sewed a uniform. The, it was the pristine white. Yep, yeah, that's yep. great. So when I saw ads for that and that Thrawn was going to mm-hmm. be on it, I mean, I haven't read any of the extended universe, but I I know yep. Thrawn. So that's right. very exciting that he's in the mix now.
1: Of the, exp- like, it also just makes me excited because I'm just like, that means that they could bring Mara Jade into the expanded universe, which makes me very excited because she was just so good and so wonderful of a character and even though the films are now accounting for the significant lack of prominent strong interesting compelling compl- complicated female characters in the star wars universe because it was basically just eh, here's Leia organa yeah. she's the one <laughs> she's the one it's yeah. just like here's a bunch of new ones but now it's just like but M- mara jade's mara right mara there
0: J yeah right there
1: just do it guys She's just, just like, do it
0: slightly to the left of frame at that yeah. clip, on that cliff like hi <laughs> yeah
1: exactly that's yeah. what it is but now Thrawn's here so there's no excuse there's no excuse
0: well hopefully that's something yeah. that they'll say that they'll you know reveal eventually in the season yeah uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm giving it to Halt and Catch Fire for another fantastic episode. A few show notes here at the end of our week in TV. You can find this po- a post for this episode up at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can uh, find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 on chaptered feed. Uh, we'd appreciate any ratings or reviews there. It helps people find the show. We also would appreciate ratings or reviews in Stitcher where you can find the podcast. And then you can like the page on Facebook to start up a conversation or of course reach out and uh, speak to us uh, talk to us on twitter
1: i'm at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and starting tuesday you can find me doing something with the flash at tvguide.com very exciting yeah well i mean it's not super exciting it's, it's exciting for me well it's exciting in a corporate entity owned to tv websites so they just decided to combine things yeah <laughs> <laughs> eh. No
0: self-deprecation. I'm very excited, especially because I like I get to be more excited for you because I don't have to write it and do all the work. I can just click and enjoy. So, you know, there's that. Um, well,
1: with the hope that you enjoy it. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> yes, it's true. I, I'm sure that I will, but I shouldn't say that because I will have to say that next week after I've had a chance to read what you have to say exactly. about the Flash premiere. Uh, now we will take a break and come back to check in on our 2016 TV resolutions and how we're doing 3 3 quarters of the way through the year. So we'll be right that back with right. that after this.
1: <laughs> in Texas today, Governor Rick Perry signed some legislation Mississippi could soon begin the fight to eliminate abortion. 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 Women are going to have abortions. It's just that they are not going to be safe and legal. The legislature passed a bill that they knew that we could not comply with. And that was the function of the bill. The function is a trap. In the past three years, there have been hundreds of restrictions passed, more than in the past decade. These rules don't add anything to the safety of women. This is our pharmacy. The drugs always expire because we never use them. I don't know that we've ever used any of these things in this clinic ever. They chop away piecemeal at reproductive rights. There's
0: a two or three week waiting list for a procedure where time is of the essence. I remember getting a call once from a patient and she said, what if I tell you what I have in my kitchen cabinet and you tell me what I could do?
1: We've forgotten what this country
0: is about. is given of God. I have a hard time forgiving myself.
1: I want women to talk to each other, to quit shaming each other. I want people to quit shaming women over abortion, period. <laughs>
0: I'm on the floor today to give voice to thousands of Texans who have been ignored.
1: The Supreme Court is going to hear another one of these cases, and it's going to be a showdown. They're letting politics trump Madison. You should understand it's not going to happen without a fight. It is escalating what is happening across the United States.
0: It's increasingly becoming the case that women's constitutional rights are determined by their zip codes. I just want more people to start asking who's benefiting. Who benefits? back with the televerse this is kate kalsik joined as ever by noel kirkpatrick and it's time for us to check in on our 2016 tv resolutions again of course we announced our resolutions in january we checked in on on them in april and here at the end of september it seemed like time you know as we get into fall tv again time to to check in and how we're doing and what other content we've been watching that fits into that or maybe that we should be and still haven't i'm just being mary jane i still haven't watched it Still haven't watched it, Noel. Um, but we're gonna—I haven't
1: either, so don't feel bad.
0: Okay, okay. We're gonna kick <laughs> things off, Noel, with with your resolution to watch more documentary and right. uh, and nonfiction. So, how is that coming for you? Any any interesting documentaries? Uh, obviously, this week we just talked about Frontline. We watched that this right. week. Um, uh, but any other uh, documentaries or nonfiction that you've been watching since April?
1: No, no. <laughs> um, I've been. I have been lucky slash lazy um, in keeping up with my resolution. Um, Lucky in the fact that um, the three shows, to keep things manageable for myself, I had picked three PBS uh, programs. I had picked Nova, I had picked uh, American Experience, and I had picked Independent Lens to watch whenever they aired new installments. And... All three kind of went, oh, it's summer. Meh, forget about it. We're (laughs) done. We're good. We'll come back in the fall. And they were all coming back in, like, October. So I'm just like, oh, great. Um, So I got lucky in that regard, but I also got kind of lazy because Independent Lens, after we had checked in back in April, had aired a number of episodes um, in May and through April and May. I didn't watch any of them. Mm. Um in part because i was getting ready to move across the country and i was prioritizing series finale uh, season uh, season finales for the podcast and also i can't watch so much tv i have to pack this stuff into a box <laughs> without going insane and so i ended up falling down on this particularly hard and i feel kind of bad for it because when i Looked back at, like, the episodes Independent Lens it aired, because when I had suggested checking in with this, I was just like, I haven't really watched anything, because everything kind of took the summer off. And it just went, oh, Independent Lens aired, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes. And I didn't watch all but one of them. Well, I only watched one of them. Good job, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> so... Independent regarding Independent Lens is they aired a bunch of episodes that I just didn't watch. I watched one, and that was after I'd moved and like had gotten semi settled in here in uh Washington. And that was Trapped, which is a documentary that had premiered and started rolling out back in March. But um, Independent Lens, I knowingly um, aired it in June, four days. Prior to the United States United States Supreme Court going, yeah, Texas, those um those abortion laws that you required clinics to be like, ah, oh, doctors need admitting privileges, and you're if you're gonna perform an abortion, you need a hospital surgery surgery level facility sur- facility to do that in. Even if you don't actually need that, you're gonna need that. Um, For you to be in in accordance with all laws. And uh, the documentary looks at basically like the two or three remaining clinics in Texas that met those standards and a doctor who was previously based in, I want to say, Mississippi, or Louisiana and basically moved to Texas to perform abortions. And the fact that he couldn't, because he couldn't get admitting privileges anywhere in Texas. And just the struggles to get all of that done. And um, it's a really good, really interesting, very straightforward documentary of this is ridiculous. And these women need health care. And, and this not... is legal. And this is legal. Yeah. And they can't get it um, due to all sorts of these really, really ridiculous things that we've done. Like for those who don't know, like some trap laws, like even for things like the, um, aside from like the surgical facilities or the emitting privileges, both of which are pretty onerous, but there's also just the fact that, hey, your hallways don't meet these requirements or your building roof is too low to do this. These are the kind of requirements that these facilities had to meet to perform abortions. And it's I'm preaching to the choir to discussing this with you, Kate, but it's just f***ing ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so, like, over the summer, the Supreme Court, in particular Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm-hmm. who gives no fucks and has no fucks left to give... That's why we love uh, her. <laughs> it's why we love her. Um, it was basically just like, this is ridiculous. And it was declared unconstitutional, and the documentary aired on independent length, like, four days before the Supreme Court just went... This is dumb, um, Texas. You, you, this is you're stopping this, mm-hmm. and so it was really, it was really good timing. And it's the one independent lens documentary that I remembered to watch <laughs> slash did not delete from my DVR, site unseen, because I was moving across the country. Um, I did delete one other installment, um, which was called "T Rex or Fight for Gold," which dealt with a um, woman boxer. Uh, in the Olympics And I don't like boxing For mm. a number of reasons And so I just kind of went mm, No Sorry it Sounds interesting But I hate boxing So much Kate For a number of reasons But it's just like I can't get behind that On any level um, So I just went mm, No And mm. just deleted it Without watching it Um American Experience, um, which I've been enjoying. They do really long, like, two-hour, frontline-esque documentaries, so they're, like, committed Mm -hmm. type of things. Um, They've aired one episode since we last year (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was, like, at the beginning of August. Um, I don't think that my um, local PBS um, group aired it, though, yet, so I haven't seen it um, because my DVR didn't pick it up. Um, but they're coming back in mid-October, starting with um, Tesla, so a whole Ooh. documentary about Tesla. So that's going to be exciting. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but that's October 18th for most areas, depending on what your affiliate does. That's the beauty of PBS affiliates, is that they get to air stuff whenever they feel like it, as we learned with the Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Nova uh, aired a couple of episodes um, after we had checked in, and I actually did managed to keep up with Nova pretty regularly, because Nova's an v- easy hour to keep up with. Independent lenses is anywhere from an hour to two hours, um, so I made priorities in Nova, which was something I was not enjoying, if you remember, when we checked in, because it was very dry and very educational, um, and felt very much like, oh, we got to keep these high schoolers engaged, type <laughs> of thing, and that's never a way to keep a... Th- guy who's turning 33 this am i turning 33 no i'm turning 32 (laughs) Uh, i'm trying to make myself older than i am um is isn't the best way to keep him engaged but things like moving an ain't uh, moving a very old lighthouse 127 feet away from a coast that's about to disappear due to erosion is a good way to keep me engaged which was operation lighthouse which is Basically, this small town, they were going to lose this lighthouse that had been standing for at least a century. And they just went, "We'll just move it. And so there's all this engineering and math and hydraulics and timing explosions correctly so that you don't ruin anything. It's all really, really interesting. And I really recommend this hugely. Um, Because it was just this, this is what we can do as human beings, basically, is that we can work it out enough that we can move this lighthouse so that it doesn't fall into the ocean yet. <laughs> and, but it's just, it's a really, it was a really great story of a community coming together of our ingenuity of being able to do this kind of thing. And it's just a really compelling documentary. Um, less compelling, but I thought was going to be more interesting was bombing Hitler's super gun. How could that not be interesting? Um, <laughs> Because it's a super gun, um, but it was it was very dry World War Two type of thing of um, explosive charges underground and that kind of thing. Um, it was interesting but not totally my cup of tea because military history is just not my thing. Um, then they just kind of took everything off for the summer. Um, they did. They've done two documentaries, two installments since. Which one I started watching but then stopped. Um, which was fifteen years of terror. Which was in commemoration of the 9-11 attacks here, they decided to look at the development of the war and terror from here. And immediately they dive into the surveillance state. And I just went, uh, no, I'm, I I, don't feel like watching this right now. And so I just kind of went, mm, yeah, I'm good. Um, but their most recent episode was called school of the future. And it deals with uh, changes in education development, um, both through technology, but also just through new practices. Um, and, Brain responses to those kind of things. So there's a lot of kids hooked up to EKGs and that kind of—not EKGs because that's your heart—but <laughs> um, brain scan type stuff. Um, I've only watched the first hour of that um, because I haven't had time to watch it this week, but um, it seems really interesting so far. And I'm—this is something as someone who knows a number of teachers—I'm very interested in the changing nature of their landscape and. And as someone who's also, like, best friends with a woman who has a a small son who's basically in first grade, it's very much like, what kind of stuff is this kid going to learn? And how's he going to learn? And this is all just very, very interesting stuff to me. So I'm going to get back to that one uh, probably this weekend uh, because now I only have an hour left for it. But I've been, like I said, just lucky and lazy with my resolution. Um, how have you been dealing with yours? Um, have you, you've had, I think, better luck. I've been really, it's been easy. You've been swimming in representational issues. So... Tell me how your resolution's been going since we last checked in.
0: Well, and first of all, also give yourself credit for watching Frontline. That counts as, as your resolution yeah. as well. That's in there yeah. too. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely checking out uh, a couple of those. The Lighthouse one I think I'll enjoy, but I'm very interested in that. I mean, as someone who teaches children and yeah. and teenagers, uh, yeah, that is certainly something that's of interest to me. So I'll make sure I set some time aside for that. And let us not forget, um, I'm probably, it probably can't, it probably just be fine, but I am very excited about the Hamilton. Uh, does right that's shows. coming
1: up soon too it's
0: coming up soon um, so for my resolution it's just been easy because there's been a lot more high profile stuff that fits that also Steven Universe just like everywhere all summer being amazing <laughs> um, What probably my favorite show of the year almost definitely my favorite show of the year we'll see if that yeah Anything no, can... It's going to be that. that. It's going to yeah. be that
1: for all of us, both of us, probably, let's be honest. And there
0: was like <laughs> a million episodes. I'm pretty sure that's an accurate. That's not hyperbole at all. A million episodes of that this summer. So it was really easy to to meet my quota uh, for making sure I was watching at least one show that was looking at different perspectives. Um, but I think what's really interesting to me and has made my this like resolution a lot easier to follow is... It's nice to get more shows that are obviously very much defined by different experiences, but not necessarily about that. So you with with uh, with own we've gotten Greenleaf, which is just is just another family drama in a but it's in a setting we haven't seen before, really in the mega church kind of world. But it's not like it is a show defined by like this is a show about being black it's like it's very much part of it that's it but, but if you look at the structure of it if you look at the format of it, it's an it's a soap it's a family nighttime soap that has all this other stuff that is also looking into themes different themes and different types of characters or uh different experiences that haven't necessarily been on on tv in a framework that people will be very familiar with so it's nice to see like so obviously earlier this year we had underground uh, which was terrific, but obviously it's about the Underground Railroad. Its its issues and, and themes that it's exploring are very much, you, you, of of course, intrinsic to what that show is. It being a show about slavery and about uh, about this point in history that somehow has been not explored on television until this point outside of Roots. Um, then he, which like, we also purple. had, which we also <laughs> had this year. Um, so, but see, I mean, it's just it's so very di- different than something like like an empire or like a um, uh, a green leaf or like Queen Sugar, which again, these are these family dramas about black families about a different part of the American experience. Um, but that ten that are particularly Queen Sugar very well done really compelling uh very strong performances and well directed and everything well put together um but again familiar types of story beats um so it's been great that that there's space that that the oprah winfrey network and some other i mean i i power by the way is in its fourth season or did they finish up and being, it's been getting even higher ratings as it's gone along on Stars. Oh
1: yeah, um, and that's I one
0: that I, I checked out the, part I of the first third. season and wasn't hugely, um, didn't really connect with it. So I haven't kept up with it. But you know, that's another one that's that's been third doing season. really well. So like at different places like the Oprah Winfrey Network and Stars, and there's there is more space being made for African American stories and characters and shows that are driven by primarily African American casts. That now that we're back into the landscape of all TV, we have fresh off the boat back. We have Blackish back. So there's, you know, some of these, uh, you know, just more again traditional sitcoms with d- showing different experiences. Which you know, I'm glad to have them back. Really enjoyed those. But yeah, I haven't had to look. I haven't had to seek out and search because there's been, you know, and obviously, you know, Transparent is huge too. I'll be, I'll be talking about Transparent next week on the podcast. Um, and there's again, <laughs> it's the show <laughs> that really is looking on. At transgender characters in a weekly consistent way or episode like episodic. Th-
1: episodic, obviously not weekly. Well, but even not episodic because I mean, remember, it's still a five hour movie, Kate oh. Buy into the Amazon hype uh,
0: Anyway, um, but but as opposed to having like the modern family having an episode with a transgender character or Carmichael show having an episode with, you know, so there's still old, pretty much just that one show um, looking at this experience Right now on on American TV, but um, but it's a very high profile one. Hopefully more will follow. Uh, there are, as, as I understand it, significantly more transgender characters and actors in this third season of Transparent, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, again, it's just it's it, it, uh, great seeing it get so much Emmy love. Season two that is, recently, and be so much in the forefront of the you know even if it does that streaming thing where. It a lot of buzz and then it just disappears because of the, the model, the release model. Um, it's, it's, I haven't had to go seeking, which is good, but it's also lets me be lazy and we will quickly get to a different point in the year where I, maybe that won't be the case. So right now I'm taking advantage of having throughout the entire year, a lot of different, really terrific shows that I've been able to follow. But when Steve, if Steven hadn't been on all summer, It would have been just like uh, Greenleaf or, you know, or like one show at a time because I didn't, I did not make the concerted effort that I intended to with this resolution to go seeking new shows I had never heard of. Now, Underground was new this year, but I was anticipating that. Greenleaf was new this year, but I was anticipating that. Queen Sugar surprised me. That was one that, that, um, there was some buzz around, um, but only, like in the later part of this summer. Um, so right. that one was more of a surprise, but I haven't had to go out of my way to find, to find different voices on my TV. And so that's something that I still need to significantly work on. How about you? How, like, cause I mean, a lot of these shows I'm talking about have been once you're also watching too. Have you noticed a difference in representation on TV or do you think that we just are in a bubble?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that for us, that a lot of this aired in the off-season. Yeah, air quotes, yeah. Air quotes in that it's the off-season for the broadcast networks. And so there's all this room for Greenleaf to air and basically just smash Mm -hmm. everything in its path, ratings-wise. Like I kept joking while it was on, is that Mr. Robot Wishes that Mm -hmm. it had Greenleaf's ratings because Greenleaf was drawing in well over a million people and it's on significantly fewer cable packages than USA is. Um, And Mr. Robot was drawing maybe Mm 700,000 a week, like live numbers, not factoring in like recordings or delayed VODs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so... That I think that there was the space for that kind of show, that kind of voice to be heard and to be enjoyed and for it to be present within the television landscape in that it wasn't going to get crowded out by all the fall stuff. And that's kind of like where we're coming up on with like Queen Sugar is that everything's rolling out now and has more or less rolled out like the CW's about to do its season premieres next week. And CW's its own little special case of mm-hmm. stuff, plus like Greg Berlanti being like, "Oh no, we got a character that's always been gay. Don't worry, guys, you got <laughs> one." And it's just like, "Oh, this is gonna go super well." Um. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening that I think allowed both like Greenleaf and Queen Sugar to kind of rise to prominence, um, but also like. Even without that, like you said, we've got Fresh Off the Boat, and we've got um, Blackish, but also Speechless, mm-hmm. um, showing having a, a kid with... Oh, gosh, I forget. Uh, I'm assuming uh, it's some palsy. sort of... Yeah, I'm assuming it's a cerebral palsy. I'm pretty sure that they identified that in the pilot. I just forgot. Um So they've got that kind of representation that's not being done in a very special episode sort of way or in a let's really make fun of the kid with palsy sort of way as in, no, we're going to treat him as a teenager who is kind of pervy and gross and likes to watch cheerleaders. And it's just it's very rote sitcom stuff, but it's rote sitcom stuff that's being applied to people that it's never been applied to before. And incremental incre- increments 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 yeah. <laughs> type right. of type it, of thing
0: and again including that that experience
1: yeah
0: allowing that experience to include people who haven't been depicted on on tv before, right. and showing the universality of certain elements of teenage boy experience right teenage boys teenage boys you know <laughs> and right. girls you know teenagers yeah. are teenagers at a certain
1: point correct so. and but also, like, I mean, you've got, like, one of the easiest, most anticipated shows with Luke Cage. I yeah. mean, like, dust, you're done. I mean, you've, yeah. you've got it right there. Um, And I think that's great. So I think you've had an easier time of it. But, I mean, you also still haven't watched Being Mary Jane, so shame on you.
0: And the <laughs> other thing that I will mention, though, is that while it's been a lot easier it's been very easy for me to find shows that fit my qualifications of, yeah. of trying to broaden my horizons um i and and there are people who are watching them i still feel like these are shows that on the whole are not getting the critical t- attention they deserve i don't feel sure. like they're a part of the conversation in a way that they should be and deserve to be um i think that um obviously listening to like Steven universe we think is amazing and there's Nobody, there was nobody talking about it this summer. There were people who reviewed it and occasionally maybe one or two other pieces at prominent publications over the entire summer. Like of yeah. all the prominent publications that I follow, one or maybe two did a piece about the best show on television, which is Steven Universe. Um, I, I think, I mean, Greenleaf, I didn't see a lot no. of
1: discussion. I saw a couple of like pilot Pilot reviews or premiere reviews, and then or like reviews of the first three or four episodes, and then everyone went, eh, "We're good, yeah, we're good." But let's talk about Mister Robot every again. Week. Let's talk about the Night of again. But we also talked about both of these shows pretty much every. Yeah, week. but hey, you know, but we
0: also talked about Greenleaf every week. Yeah, Um, yeah. and the and like something like Survivor's Remorse, which is terrific and just getting better um, throughout this most recent season every now and again there'd be somebody else who like myself is going, by the way this is still good, you should be watching for yeah. the most part, again, not part of the conversation so while obviously something like Luke Cage is going to be much more mainstream right. it's going to be much more part of the, uh, of the if, if it's as well received as it was by us, it'll be part of the is this one of the best new shows of the year conversation, I don't think that conversation is being extended to Queen Sugar I don't think enough of it is being extended to Underground and I think there I think there are other shows that, again they're there, and we can find them, and we can watch them, and we can talk about them on the show We meaning that was the royal we, but uh viewers can find these it's easier it's easier than ever for for viewers to find these um i I wish there there was more discussion in the critical community about shows that fall into that parameter of things I was hoping to watch more of because basically I started what I've been able to watch more of them. And then I go, Oh, these shows are terrific. Why is no one talking about them?
1: Well, I think some of it, at least putting aside like the critical community, because I feel like that's a separate set of issues to deal with. Yeah. is like, there are like issues of access. So like SARS is a paid subscription service that not very many people have. And, even while you've been talking about it like every other week, I kind of keep forgetting that it's on stars Mm -hmm. because I don't think about stars ever. Um, And, but like I said, when we were talking about Greenleaf's ratings is like own is something that not number of people know that they have on their cable package, if they have it at all. And part of that is just the fact that that network has struggled in terms of branding itself, beyond its Oprah Winfrey Association. So it's been very much thought about as a Lifestyles channel, basically until this summer when they made a really big push with Greenleaf and Queen Sugar to rebrand and extend their original programming to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because doing the haves and the have-nots is not really going to get you anywhere. No offense to the people who enjoy the have and the have-nots, but I actually sat down and watched an episode and no. <laughs> just, no. Um, and so I think access is a big thing. So when we talk about, A, transparent, it's just like, you need a Prime membership to watch that. And even though Amazon's made that much easier now because you don't have to sign up for the yearly 990 dollars 9, yeah yeah, the $100 a year thing, which is great for someone like me who ships everything to himself, but for someone else, it's just like, Uh, I don't really need another streaming service Mm -hmm. type of thing. So I think that there's an issue of access to consider within that larger context. Um, And I think that factors into critical community. It's all about the clicks, man. It's all about what's going to get those clicks. Yeah, but when,
0: when you have so many more people watching, like you said, Greenleaf, than are watching Mr. Robot. Right, but the
1: audience that they want well, that advertisers for want, or the people who are watching Mister Robot, and they, the fewer less people inter-
0: who are watching Mister Robot, than the significantly more who are watching Greenleaf,
1: right? Yeah, economics, advertising targeting. I mean, it's all built into that sort of thing. But also, the fact of the matter is, and this is also really key when we're discussing like the critical community, is that, like you said, Greenleaf doesn't reinvent a wheel. There's not a stylistic. A horror motivation behind it in the same way that mr robot became deeply self-indulgent in that way but we wanted to like pick apart how that worked same thing with like night of Mm -hmm. and there's none of that there like you said it's very much a family primetime melodrama soap that has this cool setting that's different but after we get past that what are we going to talk about week to week type of thing where we can pick apart. Oh, what movies was Sam Ishmael watching this week? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, nobody can care. Nope. Not nobody. I don't care. (laughs) But, um, that's basically what it is, is that the audience engagement that you can get with the clicks and that appeal to the people who are writing as well as the other thing that's really important. That's, why there's maybe say less about Steven Universe, because I basically remember Eric's reviews on T V Club week to week to week to day to day, poor hmm. guy. And then uh the one piece from Caroline on Box. Yeah. That happened. And then that's basically all I remember.
0: Yep. Not for lack of trying. No pitches right. taken on that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Listeners, and... I was pitching hard at various places for
1: that, but and I knew that both of my editor-ins wouldn't care, so I didn't bother. Yeah. Um. And, see, part of the problem right here is that I knew my editors wouldn't care, so I didn't bother.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that this conversation about access and about clicks um, is worn out with something like Atlanta, that which is getting so much more coverage. Correct. And yeah. I will be very interested to see if uh, Issa Rae's new show uh, gets that same kind of focus on HBO because the night of was getting constant coverage because of course it's the kind of thing that is easy to, you know, talk about. And if you want um, in in that critical uh, let's analyze it, let's analyze the structure. Let's compare it to the original. There's lots of different things you can, you know, let's talk about symbolism of foot fungus, you know, Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if we get that same kind of, uh, Continuing coverage of a show uh like *Insecure*, um, which again is on HBO. A lot of people get HBO, and it's very. It's, I feel like it's an easier it's an easier pitch to say I want to write this piece about *Insecure* than it is to say I want to write piece, this piece about *Survivor's Remorse*.
1: Right, and also, I mean, if you want to write write a piece about an HBO, just pitch to *The Ringer*. You're done. There you go. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um. Any other shows come to mind? It's occurring to me that as I'm talking about representation here, I'm pretty much talking about black shows. Yes. We had Master of None last year, but that's it for for Asian. Uh, aside of you know, obviously, uh, Fresh Off the Boat is back now. Or well, we'll be we'll be back soon. But yeah, there's 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 a Mindy Project.
1: Right on Hulu. On
0: Hulu. Again, that's that's less about a community and about experience than it is the individual characters. Yeah. Um. We've I already mentioned Transparent. I should mention I've appreciated there being more prominent uh, queer characters on TV shows. Even something like Queen Sugar this week, they they mention that Nova is is bisexual or you know not straight. Should we say? Right. I, I don't know how she would self-identify. Yeah. Um. And so there's been more. Fluidity uh, with with supporting characters on on other TV shows. We, of course, we already talked about Winona Earp earlier this summer. We've been talking about you know other shows that have included queer characters. Um, there was that episode of my favorite episode that I've seen so far of Easy features you know focuses on queer characters. Um, but yeah, but it's been mostly the ones that I've at least that I have noted noticed breaking through have been uh, characters. There have been shows with predominantly black cast
1: yeah and i think that again i think that's just more representative well a like i mean Greenleaf and queen sugar it's on own and yeah. it's targeting a very specific audience um with branding and everything else so i mean that's kind of a gimme um but it's also still an underserved audience within the Broadcast and cable yeah. um, shows and representations, so they're filling a niche, which is largely what cable was supposed to do. But now it's shifting, and uh, it's more than I want to get into. Um, so I think that's what it is. Is basically there's a, a steady acknowledgement of, oh right, black people watch TV, right, yeah, and then in like you know another twenty five years it'll be like oh, right. People, people of Latino heritage watch TV. Got to get on that.
0: Yeah, Jane needs to come back so much. I can't wait for Jane the Virgin to come back. Um, But yeah, it it, it feels like it's again part of this conversation that I still need to have with. I have family and friends who don't think that whitewashing is a thing that still happens with characters where they have white actors play. Characters that are supposed to, for example, be Asian, and I have to send them links and say, "No, it's happening right now." Or um, and blind when...
1: casting is still just a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: yeah, or or even just you know uh, the Oscar so white controversy being brought up um, with Chris Rock and but but being the fact that you know Oscar so white for a lot of people meant you need to nominate black people, not you need to nominate people of color. Right, the, you know, um, which again, it has to do with how people, how we all discuss uh, representation too. So, um, and and again, like I said, there's there's the L Ray Network. Am I watching Matador? No, I'm not watching Matador. Do I you get be. the L Ray Network? I don't. I don't know. I watched the first episode of Matador before I moved, and I wasn't really super. We- I was like whelmed. I wasn't. Yeah. Over so I I didn't I didn't seek it out, so I'm not sure. Actually you know what I, I do know. I do get the LRA network. I absolutely do. So I you know they, again, I'm sure that programming is out there, but I like I said earlier, it's been very easy to let some of these shows come to me, so I haven't done this the search seeking out and the searching out that I should.
1: Well, I mean, there's also like I mean there's nothing stopping you from especially depending on how expansive your cable package is is, um, going through and basically going, if your cable package has access to foreign language channels and particularly now it's very, I say very, it's easier to get Spanish language, um, mm-hmm. programming on certain cable packages now. I mean, and, I, I could
0: watch Narcos, but I didn't really care for what I watched from season one. So, you know, like, right.
1: But I'm just saying like I mean there's native programming you could watch instead. That's true. And That's an excellent point. I'm I'm not saying that in a judgmental way or anything. Please don't take it that way. I'm just saying that It's out there too. It's out there. Yeah. Um it's not necessarily subtitled so unless you're fluent in Spanish. <laughs> Um, really not (laughs) really not right which is like another issue in that i've been in like um the mex the the nearest mexican restaurant to me back when i was living in atlanta routinely just had spanish language programming on from their satellite package and no subtitles or anything so i would just end up like watching it to Mm -hmm. like take in formalism and like yeah, this sort of thing, and I mean, it was interesting, but I mean, I can't give you any more of a sustained discussion of it because I watched it in between eating enchiladas and really good salsa. Um, but I think that that's something also to consider is like, I mean, you could do that, but again, it wouldn't be a complete television experience.
0: Yeah, it'd be a different, it'd be a very different experience. Um, so right. yeah, so yeah, it's it's it, as a wrap up, I've I've done a little bit of yours. Your your resolution watched a couple things, um, and I plan to watch more. You've done a
1: lot of mine. I've done a lot of mine just because that's been fictional scripted programming that we talk about on a regular basis here. So <laughs> I feel like that doesn't count.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I yeah. shouldn't get a win for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So again, I I could make definitely could make more of an effort to 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 be seeking out nonfiction and 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 looking to fill. These voids in my... You sounded very excited about the Tesla. I am very excited. I mean, Tesla's awesome, dude. Yeah. Tesla's like all-time coolest people. Uh, <laughs> most interesting, you know? Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in the next few months. As we get all these fall shows back, It's it gets harder to
1: prioritize. It, yeah, it does. And, I mean, for me, at least with my nonfiction programming, it very much becomes like a weekend project. Mm-hmm. Which is good because it gives me something to watch on the, excuse me, on the weekends, like on a Saturday or on a Sunday when, for me, there's very little to watch in between. Well, college football actually isn't that big of a thing up here, which is fantastic because mm-hmm. God, I got sick of the SEC. But I also live in Seahawks country now, so basically the state shuts down on Sundays.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: It's really good time to go grocery shopping though.
0: There you go. There you go. That'll take care of it. Well, thank you, uh, Noel, for, for for pointing me to those nonfiction episodes. I'll make sure I cut, uh, check them out, and uh, hopefully we'll have even more fun things to, to, to mention. And, okay, I'm saying it right now. I will have seen some Being Mary Jane by the time we do our end-of-the-year thing. That's going to happen. And I know it's not any – like, there's so many shows that – could uh, fit that requirement. My my uh, like of seeking out different shows that I haven't seen that aren't really automatically coming to me. But that is the one that I feel the worst about. So by the time we do this in December, I will have seen at least some of Being Mary Jane. <laughs> oh man uh, and listeners if you have recommendations for us please do reach out with them let us know you know if there's a particular episode of a documentary series we should check out if there's a, a show featuring uh, underrepresented voices that I should check out um, let us know because I'm always I'm always looking for recommendations so um, and I'm, I'm sure you are you are too if they yep. can point you to to the best uh, nonfiction out there that saves so
1: much of the work um, it does <laughs> <laughs> and it stops me from being like, I got really lucky and lazy this summer, and Kate had to do a lot of work.
0: <laughs> oh. oh well, you know. I mean, eventually, Stephen will come back, and then I won't have to do any work ever again for mm-hmm. my recommend recommend for my uh, resolution. But that will wrap up our our resolution check in number two and our episode for this week. So thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Telliverse.